Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Nashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Wahdahu la sharika lahu. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Alhamdulillahi wali al-kareem. Wa sallallahu ala anbiya ajma'een. Wal masih. Wal mahsi. Wal mujadda. Laman mursaleen. Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that He is alone and has no part? And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes? All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend. And send salutations of Allah on all of His prophets and His apostles. And on the Messiah, the Anointed One. And on the Mahdi, the God. And on the Mujaddid, the Reform. Which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. The man of the hour, Aaron. Seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WGAG Radio. I have two questions uh, from the Black Book. Um, the first question is on page 271. And um, I just wanted to know the difference between illusion and illusion. They say they uh, the word illusion and, yes. uh, and the Hebrew word illusion. Yes, according to the Black Book, it, it shows that they're related. They're saying they're related phonetically. Just like you can say the little ch- the little boy from Cuba, his name was illusion. You can, you know right away they're phonetically related. You follow what I'm saying? And most people don't realize that all languages on the planet Earth are related. I'm going to come back to a point, but I want to establish that. And a certain person or a certain being is responsible for all the different languages on the planet. According to Bible-believing people, somebody diversified the tongues, forced the battle, and now people speak different languages. Whoever that person is, is also the person responsible for racism, separation and hate. You say, well, how's that? Because Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that same person says, I'm going to put enmity between the woman's seed and the certain seed. So this being talking is saying, I'm going to put enmity, I'm going to put hate, I'm going to put rivalry between two beings that I created. Because God created both that woman and the devil. And, and therefore, and, and people say, well, how does God create the devil? Well, because people say that in the Bible or the Quranic life, that the devil is darkness and God is light. That's why Jesus called the early one is called, and God is called the bright light, and light is knowledge, etc., etc., etc. But when and if God did create light, and he said, what, let there be, 
When he did that, he had to create shadows. But if you create light, you automatically create a shadow. Now, the light is, is, is the shadow is created by an object in light. So therefore, when the sun was created, if the sun is a mass, and the mass has a shadow, then he said, let there be light, and he decided that the sun was light, and that evening and a morning, there was a shadow out. But neither one of them are pure darkness, because the sun itself had to be created outside of darkness. If there was no light, there'd be no shadow. So you had darkness before you had the shadow. So therefore, their reference to dark as evil is in actuality talking about the shadow, not the state of darkness that God had to be in when God said, let there be light. All intelligence, all thinking has its birth or origin in darkness, meaning there is no light inside your head at this moment. So when you see anything, you look outward apparently and reflect the image inward. So in order to see, you don't see this way, you see this way. And therefore you're sending light inward to darkness. And when it gets inside the head, it follows through the eyes, through the octave nerve, then it triggers with the brain. Therefore the intelligence point or the point of decision or deciding what I'm looking at, how tall it is, how bright it is, how fat it is, how thin it is, how uh, red or green or blue, is done in darkness. And it takes the intelligence to make that decision. You follow what I'm saying? It doesn't take the ability to cut on the light to use the intelligence. The intelligence factor is done in the darkness. Thus God, in actuality, being the source of all intelligence, dwells in darkness. And God said, let there be light. And when light came, there had to be a shadow. And that shadow is what they're calling the darkness of evil. And that's why if you look in the Quran, the same word they use for darkness, zulam, is the same word they use for shadow, zulam. And the Arabic of the Quran is from the ancient Semitic, which goes back to the ancient Semitic languages where Hebrew is the same word. So their definition of shadow and darkness was the same. Somewhere along the line, the preacher and the teacher got confused. And they just made all darkness bad. And then said darkness is associated with black, so black stuff is bad. But black, not being a color but a state, existed before darkness. You see, because darkness is telling you it has a state, it has a degree of itself. Darkness. There is darkness, then there's less than darkness. And a shadow is determined by how far the sun is from the object that it's reflecting from. You with me so far? So when you reach down inside the human being, Right? In the mind, do you find light or darkness? And in that darkness, you find reason, decision, and thought. So when God said, let there be light, and thus God created the shadow, the counterpart to light, the shadow was the darkness, the irreality yet existed, the unperfect yet existed, the untangible yet existed, the illusion of the Most High. So illusion translate as the most high, and illusion to the most high would be its equal untangible. The shadow. The shadow is equal to you in all shapes, 
size and intensity, but not in density. <laughs> you follow? That's why in the black book it says, Illusion and illusion. That's really one of the same things. Illusion is, is alluding to the shadow of the material thing. And we've been taught to ignore how important a shadow is. But all of us will step in the shade when it's cold, when it's too hot. And while we seek the shade, the shadow seems to become very important to us. But on a cloudy day, right before a picnic, when we're wishing for the sun, all of a sudden we no longer like the shade. We don't want the clouds to hinder our picnic. Now, throw away the clouds, so we've been taught to cast away the dark, because it hinders what I can do in the light. Never realizing that anything I do in the light is coming from the intellect. And that's why we refer to that, we refer to that as the intellect, and not the, the outlet, because those decisions are made in the head, not outside the head. The vision and what I see is determined from my insight, not my outside. You follow? Okay? I have one other question. On the same page, um, uh, it states that the square, according to the ancient ones, is different than the ones that uh, what we perceive as the square. Okay. I don't want to know how. I'll tell you why. Because when we see a square, we're looking at four 90 degree angles. Right? Is that a square? What is the difference between a square and a cube, geometrically speaking? A cube has density, but it's still a square. And from each angle you look at it, you see a square from any direction. This is what makes it a cube. But when we look at the square, or the square, all we're looking at is a frame undefined. It has to, from that point, make a decision as to what it's going to become. But the cube has completed its journey into what it is. It becomes the cube. Or, in Arabic, it becomes the Kaaba. You follow that? Does the square of... Now listen, does the square geometrically add up to the cube? Square gives me four 90 degree angles. But the cube gives me how many? The 490 degree angle is on a square because the square doesn't have its density. It hasn't become the cube in order to create the next four corners. So the square gives me 300, how much is the square? 490 degree? And the cube? 720. 720. If I had a blackboard in front of me, I would draw a square, and I'll get my 360 degrees. And then I would draw a cube. And you'll see that the point from which I join the line, the cube transforms itself either inward or outward. It's taking me from the physical into the next realm. I don't want to just say spiritual. It's, it's pulling me from the third dimension the cube to the fourth dimension, the square, when actuality, the cube has an entity. 
So it's, that's why they say it's an optical illusion to look at a square when you make the box. You can't tell the central point whether it's coming at you or going in. But you're looking at the square turns with the point facing you as opposed to the cube turn with the face. I hope I'm not losing you, because if I could draw it, it should be easier. So I'm trying to draw this in my mind, and it could sound real confusing. So, in actuality, the 720 degrees that the cube produces gives you 360 degrees of the physical plane and 360 degrees of the spiritual plane. I don't want to use spiritual, because I don't want people to get spooky. Right? Where uh, the square, a geometric symbol, the geometry is only giving me 360 degrees of the, of the physical plane. I'm seeing it before it becomes what it is destined. And it only has one destination. Because all the points are closed. And that is to become a cube. It's a reference to our character. And what we are as a one-dimensional being with the soul. When I look at this gentleman, I see his physical, and I see him 360 degrees. I see what it takes to be a mortal. But I'm also looking at a spiritual being. It will only come out when he is finished becoming what he was cut out to be. So in Freemasonry, they have what they call the ashlar, or the uncut stone. And it carved until they get a perfect square. And that, then they continue to carve until they manifest a perfect cube. And those stages are the growth of the shaping of our character. Because while we are squaring off our actions and deeds in the physical, it must have a reaction on the spiritual. In order for me to get myself together physically, I have to get myself together mentally. I cannot pretend I'm not using drugs no more. I have to stop using drugs. I can't pretend I'm not getting drunk no more. I have to stop so that square becomes that cube is a reference to a perfect ashram. A stone cut without the sound of a hammer, nor the sweat of a flower. That means you cut the stone because you, as a being, are, is, is an uncut ashlar, a rough stone. It must be cut, and then you become a perfect being. And most people say you can't ever become perfect. And I say, wrong. If you're in the image and after the likeness of God, you have a destiny to become perfect. And whoever's telling you you can't become perfect is dangerous. Because that person is questioning the God quality in you and the gift that God gave you to be in his or her image and after his or her likeness. You do have a destiny to square yourself off. There's, more, there's, there's symbolism in the black book. It has yet to be elaborated on. And that's just all one. <laughs> of, of one. Okay? Okay. Has the mysteries of Egypt intrigued you? The secrets of the pyramids and the scientists that built them. Well, now you can have these secrets. Now you can enter into ancient Egyptian order and learn who and what you are. Who built the pyramids? Why? Medicine. Alchemy. 
Enter the ancient Egyptian order. Now, now, now. Right here. Okay, yes, I'm not even trying to find you. Okay. Rather than after rather than after. I have a question. It states that raised more names. Excuse me, I don't want to be moved by you. It states... Oh, excuse me, black. Okay. Pardon. I gotta be with you. Okay, um, in the black book it states that raised more names is the rule. And later on in the black book it states that in Lil was called the rule. So I guess my question is, what is the connection, if any, between these two beings having the same name and two material that you mean these four beings, don't you? Four beings? Because whenever you say Ray, you're saying Atum Ray, Atum Ray, and Amun Ray. And it depends on what knowns in ancient Egypt you were in at the time, and which one worshipped which deity. In some, let's say, in physics, they have Amun Ray. So they refer to Amun Ray there as Ray because Amun was understood. And if you went to Memphis, they had Atum Ray. And they just referred to him as Ray. So therefore, all of the Anunnaki were raised. They all fall under the term Ray. That did not apply to all of the Sumerians. All of the Neolithic. Egyptians, before the word Egyptos was used, were referred to as Ray. That did not refer to the dynastic period that came out of them. You follow me? Go ahead. I have a question on in the Black Book, on page 33, and uh, reference to the specific further question like this. Um, you said that you have masters. One, this is on page 33, to get a message. Here's a message. One, two, three, and have traveled, excuse me, one and two, and have traveled three, five, seven, and now you hold the key between one and nine. And um, I was trying to get a clear understanding on the number. Not being a Freemason. You might not understand, but all the time, if you make it, you might ask an individual, how old are you? And the answer is one, three, right, up one, three, or five, right? And that's making a reference to which degree of the ladder of Jacob they have in mind. So I'm making reference to any Freemason who comes across that book and says, how old are you? I said, well, I've already said one, three, five, and I went on to seven, they don't know. They don't get past three degrees. And those three degrees are one, three, five. And the British telegraph and mathematics. That's as high as they go. There's no such thing as 33 degrees in Freemasonry. There's no such thing as 32 degrees. The original degrees of Freemasonry are only three degrees. Everything else is honorary studies. The problem that is, Egyptians, as we never gave them over three degrees. We never allow them outside of persons, places, and things. And because they are the masses of most education and education system destiny, everybody, Muslim, Christian, Jew, are all trapped under three degrees. Persons, places, and things. And as we say, I'm going to take people to a another level and do seven. 
then at that point I say, and in the metaphysical or esoteric doctrine, you've been taught about the seven seat poker or chakra. Well, because the people who were teaching that science only had seven, you follow? They don't know about the nine. Now I'm taking you from the seven up to the next, you have to learn about the next two chakras, not just the one that's in the crown, like we get to the like I said, we go to the ancient Egyptian word, you look in the dictionary, and the, the word brow seat, you get the Egyptian word near, which you also know is been translated as pyramid or central fire. Right? Like right there. They considered this the sixth point, the third eye. Then they went to the crown with their 12 occult nerves, which represent the 12 signs of the zodiac. And in the center of there, they put the seventh seat, the crown chakra. When they get back to Egypt at the temple of Hathor, or Hathor, and they look on the ceiling toward the sky, and they see the calendar of Dendora, they notice that in the center of Tawaret, and Tawaret is a female deity. The Moors call her Zodiacus, the center of the sign of the Zodiac. They also call her Minty. They call her, they got many different names. We see her standing in the center as the mother of mammals that are also reptilians. You know what I'm saying? So we have, we have this degree of study. It takes us from Earth at one, up the body, three, on out the body, the five, and straight on into the universe, the seven. And we keep on traveling. Right? The Zodiac represents our woman, the mother of all creation, the science of the universe, and the waffle in actuality is a feminine word in the ancient language. For that, for our science, sound, right, and reasoning, it applies to the woman. So those are key signatures to identify. And when you get the handbook that's coming soon, right? You, you say the handbook, I may walk up to you one day and say, well, hold on. And then you say, I'm nine. When you get nine, then you're born again. No Christian can be born again until he's nine. And see, Christ, as they call him, Christos or Krishna, says, you must be born again. And when he asks, you mean I must go back into the womb? He said, no, you must be born of spirit and truth. The God, you must be saved. You, have, you must receive grace and joy. He couldn't understand. Nicodemus couldn't understand where Jesus was coming from. Well, Jesus was after the order of Melchizedek because Jesus was an Essene. And the only Egyptian order he could find in all Judea were the Essenes up in Jordan. So he went there following John the Baptist because he was after the order of Melchizedek and the Essene order was the Egyptian order and that's the only place those degrees were being conferred. You follow that? So he made that I am the way, the truth and the life. He was telling him, come behind me, walk this path through this temple, and I'm going to give you this special guidance. I'm going to give you this special truth, some information that I got. It caused me problems in the temple. Because when I came back from Egypt, I had to confront the rabbis and the priests, and I got in a great argument with them about these truths of Torah. Because I have to explain to them that the Torah, or the Torah, or the Tanakh, 
that holy book is nothing but Tawaret. The female, in the sense of the zodiac, Tawa Tawaret. And they wasn't ready to accept the Egyptian mystery. Because they had already set up a doctrine. So he had to put aside what he learned in the ancient Egyptian order while he studied ancient Egypt and submerged himself amongst the Athenians. And at that point, he was stepping down in degrees. So you'll come around again, I promise you, and you'll read it, and you'll laugh. And then I'll walk with you sometime if you now maybe you stay with it and say, by the way, how old are you? And you'll laugh when you answer me, when you ask how simple it is, it's plain and handy. That's what you have to do, all right? But, but three bases you get, one, two, five, you know, seven. And say, how old are you? And master makes the names to themselves, seven. And that seven is what? The highest point on the chocolate, or the climbing of the Kundalini, the ladder of Jacob, they hit the top. And you see a Freemasonry chart, you see they have all the degrees going up. And at the top they have a triangle with an eye in the triangle, and that's where you see the top, the highest so-called degree. And they'll call that 33 degrees, but the manifestation will be Kunsu. Because when they get to that so-called degree, they give you a, a phoenix bird looking in two different directions. And that's the symbol of Kunsu, the healer of ancient Egypt. And that eye is there, is looking down with it. That's the eye of Ross, the sun. They find out that the light that they've been following is really the light of the, he said, I'm the light of the, I'm the light of the world. In the Holy Quran, it says, it says, Allah is the Nord Samuati Wal Arab. Nord Samuati Wal Arab. That means the light of the heaven, sky, and the earth. You become the light of the sky and the earth, you are still the light of the world because you're referring to the sun. You can't immediately adjust that and say, the light of the heaven and earth means my mind or my intellect because I just explained to you that intellect is conceived in darkness, inside the head where there is no light. The thoughts come in there and then they come back out. You follow? So when he says, I am the light of the heavens and earth, the sun. So the Freemason, after all of his traveling toward the light, finds out that the light he was traveling toward was nothing more than the sun. And all the knowledge he got was nothing more than knowledge with inside this earthly range. Sciences, arts, fine arts, mathematics, geometry. And he's like puzzled. And a hand reaches down from heaven and pulls him up out the muck and mire if he wants to step through the map and become a god. When he becomes a god, they refer to him as a supreme grand master in the large, as opposed to simply a master mason or a grand master who can open and close the large, but not, does not bear the title supreme grand master. He sits at the eastern point of the large, and above him, is the eye of God, which is in actuality, Ray, the sun. He now is amongst the ranks of the Egyptian deities and inherits the responsibility of conveying the message to people on earth. If they are worthy and capable of keeping the secret. And what is the secret? The secret is hidden in the name the sacred name, 
What is a sacred name? What, what name in Egypt is a ray and deals with a secret? Huh? Amun. Amun means the hidden one, the one who keeps the secret. And so the Freemason who walks through Jah, Baal, and on, he accepts the Bible, the Quran, and the Inumayish, and finally gets the Book of Dead, he's passed to the three, what they call monotheistic religions, and each one of them, at the end of their ritual, or when the light of their ritual starts to descend or end, says, Amen, Amun, or Umayn. And it all ends with the same name of the same deity. And that's why in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, it literally says, Amun, the faithful, the faithful, the truth, the faithful, it's a definite article to, to make sure that you don't think you're talking about Jesus. Huh? Where are you going on that? This is going on. My question is from the, um, uh, the guy who put Matthew's book. Yes. Uh, DSP's in your mind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm having a lot of problems in putting, like, how do I give reverence to or where do I put these deities? Is it that we follow the each principle, like if you, if you follow Justin Dumais, and that gives reverence to that particular deity? No. Matt or justice is in you. You are reaching for deities that are in you. The, the problem is you have reached a point. Let me let me say something. When a person grows up from the base to a certain height, right? Like a plant. If you plant a specific uh, species of a plant, when it grows and it blossoms, the plant has completed its growth. It has become what it's supposed to be. Correct? Then its next stage is dying or regression. Yes? Everybody who is now the height they're going to ever be, like the plant, has what? And then what your intellect does is it blossoms outward and you grow into some type of intellectual being for those who outside that recognize. You've never really grown to perfection. You've completed your growing stage. Now, you stop. Because you have not died, it's only because the season for human growth and decline is longer than that of a rose or a dandelion. You follow? So now where's your next journey? The next journey is once you get complete, is back inside. All the way back to your roots. And as you pass to your roots, stop looking for deities as outside entities, statues, or images, because that's what religion has done to us. We will continue with the man of the hour, Dr. Malachi Z. York, the reformer for this day and time, right after these messages on WGAG Radio. Members of Congress expressed optimism Sunday about the prospects for reaching a deal to avoid the fiscal cliff. 
fragile ceasefire between Israel and Hamas is entering its third full day, and both Israelis and Palestinians... Bottom line, Senator, if uh, the president nominates Ambassador Rice to be the next Secretary of State or some other... Supplementary question. Do you personally believe that gay people are born gay? Impact segment tonight, the Talking Points memo... Hot damn politics. 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 I'm back now with the Brain Trust panel. Brain Trust. Brain Trust. Brain Trust. Brain Trust panel. We ain't niggas gonna hold me back. These niggas gonna hold me back. The Brain Trust Panel. Brain Trust. Brain Trust. Brain Trust. Brain Trust Panel. Hot diggity damn politics. I put that shit on everything. Hot damn politics. Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Only on WCAG Radio. Radio. You catch my girl legs open, better smash that. Don't be surprised if she asks where the cash shit. Let's talk about what they don't want you to talk about. On the Don Nicoleon Show, Rock Talk Radio, Monday through Sunday, 12 noon, Eastern Standard Time. Or JulieGossip.com, WGAG Radio. Would you like to ask Don a question? Are you in need of advice or counsel? Tell Don Nicoleone your concerns on a particular matter, your views or opinions about something that's important to you or anything you want her to talk about on the show. Email DearDonNicoleone at gmail.com. Hey, man. Hey, hey, bro. Hey, bro, man. Hey, man, I see you think I don't got that book in your hand, man, written by Dr. Yo, man. Where you get that book from, cuz? the man, I've been on live, I've been on eBay, I've been on Amazon. I've been on some of them goddamn bootleg ass Dr. York sites and shit, man. These motherfuckers charging goddamn damn near rent money and a goddamn down payment on a house and shit for some of them Dr. York books, man. It's hard as hell to find a goddamn one. Then I went fucked around and went on goddamn Amazon. They were selling all the tablets and shit for a goddamn, it was a goddamn notebook. It was a goddamn, goddamn holy tablets and a goddamn binder, man. These motherfuckers charge like six, seven, eight hundred dollars for these Dr. York books, man. Hey, man, what can I goddamn get me one of them Dr. book reasonable, man? You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about, like, at least goddamn some of his shit, man. These motherfuckers, man, these motherfuckers really motherfucking charging out the ass, shawty. I need a legit place. Where the fuck can I get me some Dr. York books at, man, that I won't motherfucking goddamn go broke over? You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Does this sound like you? Well, of course it does. Or, matter of fact, it did until you found out about All Eyes on Egypt in Monticello, Georgia. That's right. All Eyes on Egypt in Monticello, Georgia. You don't ever have to worry about where is your money. Who can you speak to? All these bogus, fake, bootleg sites that are perpetrating and pretending that they're selling Dr. Malachi's New York book. And even if they did, they're not selling it at an affordable price. Don't go to no one else, no one, no robots, no websites, no none of that. Get all your Dr. Malachi's New York books right here at All Eyes on Egypt. And we're running a sale for the month of September till October the 9th. On Man from Planet Rich is at $19. The L Poly Tablets is at $70. Also, let's not forget the Sacred Wisdom of Tahuti. That's in right now. 
get it now while you can at $25. So much more. The Right Knowledge Series, the Christ Series, the Mohammedism, the Mosesism, the Christism. We got everything. The Luciferian Conspiracy. Everything's written by Dr. Malachi D. York at a legitimate, affordable price in a legitimate store authorized by Dr. Malachi D. York himself. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your money and enjoy the rest of your life knowing that All Eyes on Egypt in Monticello, Georgia is dependable, trustworthy, and authorized by Dr. Malachi Z. York. Why wait? Pick up the phone today. Call 706-468-2319 and speak to a live person. Only at All Eyes on Egypt, Monticello, Georgia. That's all eyes, E-G-I-P-T-G-A dot com. Call us today. Now, welcome back to the man of the hour. The four naive angles on a square, because the square doesn't have its density. It hasn't become the cube in order to create the next four corners. So, the square gives you 300, how much is the square? 493? And the cube? 720. 720. If I had a blackboard in front of me, I would draw a square, and I'd get my 360 degrees. And then I would draw a cube. And you'll see that the point from which I join the line, the cube transforms itself either inward or outward. It's taking me from the physical into the next realm. I don't want to just say spiritual. It's, it's pulling me from the third dimension the cube to the fourth dimension, the square, when actuality, the cube has an entity. So it's, that's why they say it's an optical illusion to look at a square when you make the box. You can't tell the central point whether it's coming at you or going in. But you're looking at the square turn with the point facing you as opposed to the cube turn with the face. I hope I'm not losing you, because if I just draw it, it should be easier, so I'm trying to draw this in my mind, and it can sound real confusing. So, in actuality, the 720 degrees that the cube produces gives you 360 degrees of the physical plane and 360 degrees of the spiritual plane. I don't want to use spiritual, because I don't want people to get spooky. Right? Where uh, the square, a geometric symbol, the geometry is only giving me 360 degrees of the, of the physical plane. I'm seeing it before it becomes what it is destined. And it only has one destination because all the points are closed. And that is to become a cube. It's a reference to our character. And what we are as a one-dimensional being with the soul. When I look at this gentleman, I see his physical, and I see him 360 degrees. I see what it takes to be a mortal. But I'm also looking at a spiritual being. This will only come out when he is finished becoming what he was cut out to be. So in Freemasonry, they have what they call the ashlar, or the uncut stone. And it carved until they get a perfect square. And that, then they continue to call until they manifest a perfect cube. And those stages are the growth of the shaping of our character. 
us while we are squaring off our actions and deeds in the physical, it must have a reaction on the spiritual part. In order for me to get myself together physically, I have to get myself together mentally. I cannot pretend I'm not using drugs no more. I have to stop using drugs. I can't pretend I'm not getting drunk no more. I have to stop so that square becomes that cube is a reference to a perfect passion. A stone cut without the sound of a hammer nor the sweat of a flower. That means you cut the stone because you, as a being, are, is, is an uncut ashlar, a rough stone. It must be cut, and then you become a perfect being. And most people say you can't ever become perfect. And I say, wrong. If you're in the image and after the likeness of God, you have a destiny to become perfect. And whoever's telling you you can't become perfect is dangerous. Because that person is questioning the God quality in you and the gift that God gave you to be in his or her image and after his or her likeness. You do have a destiny to square yourself off. There's, more, there's, there's symbolism in the black book. It has yet to be elaborated on. And that's just all one. <laughs> of, of one. Okay? Okay. As the mysteries of Egypt intrigue you, the secrets of the pyramids and the scientists that built them. Well, now you can have these secrets. Now you can enter into ancient Egyptian order and learn who and what you are. Who built the pyramids? Why? Medicine. How do you The secrets of symbolism revealed to you. Enter.
Like the phoenix bird rising up out of its ashes. Up, you mighty people, come forth like Lazarus from the tomb. This tablet is food to feed the hunger and to nourish the soul, to give it strength. Rise up, stand up, be counted amongst the people of this world. Be the first to get your copy of the Holy Tablets while supplies last. At all eyes on Egypt, Monticello, Georgia, 706-468-2319. Tune in to the El Holy Tablet Show every Friday and Saturday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WGAD Radio. People always debated, who's the greatest player of all time? Dumb question. It should be, who's the greatest team of all time? WGAG Radio. Sorry, Showtime. WGAG Radio. Back to back. WGAG Radio. First three P. WGAG Radio. Even with the flu. WGAG Radio. No push-off. WGAG Radio. And my favorite... Tough to beat that. What? You think there's someone else? Prove it. Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the barrel's in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 This is Matruna Firu. I'm calling in from Toledo, Ohio. And I want to give WGAD Radio a seven-year happy anniversary. This is Empress Ross calling in from Reno, Nevada. And I would like to wish WGAG Radio a happy seven-year anniversary. Seeing me for calling from Chicago, Illinois. Want to wish WGAG Radio happy seven years and many more. I'm a prestige bitch. Bring them out, 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 bring them out. I done came up out of that goddamn life, bitch. I'm trying to show you some shit, but you keep rattling with the fucking name. Hey, this is James Moore calling from the nation's capital, wishing WGAG Radio happy. Seven years, and I wish you more. This is peace and blessings saying happy seventh anniversary to WGAG Radio. Call from North Cross, Georgia. It wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the baddest black, brilliant, big booty, baddest chick in the world, Don Dakota. Yo, nobody can do it like you, baby. We get on. Yes, I will accept the word ghetto. Ghetto. We can do T-T-O. Get two fucking seven. Calling from Bremerton, Washington to wish WGAG a happy 7th birthday. Peace, love, and prosperity, and much growth. Yeah, this is Jay Iller calling from the great Lone Star State of Texas. Just want to say shalom till I cool for y'all kaloom. Keep the all within the all. Keep them sip y'all wounds. And congratulations on a strong seven years to Don Nicole Young, WGAG Radio, and the Brain Trust family. We're going to keep doing this shit forever. Bring them out, bring them out. So when you got these drugs out there that for once have not embraced all, have not embraced God, look at women as a piece of ass and still ain't got ass and still is low life and always trying to hunt I say, find God.
Empire. Get your shit together and then holler at me later, nigga. Hey, Don, this is my baby love calling from Georgia, Georgia. And, of course, I have to give a seven-year birthday shout-out to WGAG, Real Nigga Radio, and to you, the baddest bitch in El Calou, Don Nicole. I'm a Doctrine do they adhere to, or were they just soldiers? That's a strange question. You said since the shrine were the protectors of the child. Are the protectors of the child? Okay. What spiritual doctrine do they adhere to? Were they mystics, or were they just soldiers, or did they have a spiritual doctrine or discipline? Should I say? Uh, some of the original shriners belong to what they refer to as the Khelwati order of the Mutasawwaf or Sufis. And they were from the Masjid al-Ali, which in English becomes the Temple of Ali. And that was in Sharq uh, al or Saudi Arabia. Years ago, the family of the Prophet Muhammad called Ahl al-Bayt. So they had a mystical order of Sufis. Now, when you go back to the Torah or the Old Testament, you find out that these men are referred to as the Essenes. When you go back to Persia, amongst the uh, Farsiya, or they become known as the Magus or the Magi. So they always did have a secret doctrine. And their secret doctrine you find in the books of Job. Uh, you find in the books of Job 9, especially because they're talking about the constellations of the stars. And they use uh, four major stars there. They use the Orion star constellation called Kisil. 
or they use Actorus, Plates, and then they use Mesaris. And the word Mesaris translates as the 12 signs of the zodiac. You follow? So the original travelers by, across the desert would use the stars as our guide to lead us from oasis to oasis to town to town to village to village. And so they did have a doctrine. And that doctrine has been borrowed by the Greeks and Latin and watered down, became known as astrology and uh, what do you call it, zodiac today. But they did have a doctrine, the Magus. In fact, Jesus' son, Simeon Bar Jesus, as meant found in Acts, he was also a part of the order. And they called him a Magus, if you read the books of Acts, right? Because he belonged to the brotherhood. When Miriam or Mary was about to deliver, she had three men. Each of those men were leading a company of 15 men when you do research into Egypt. You get the story from the Coptic church because the brother of Jesus called James, his real name was Jacob, took the real teachings of Jesus into Egypt and back to the village where Mary was when he was a child amongst the Hendendawa or the Biga people. When you go back and study that, you'll find things that they didn't record or that the Nicaeans or those councilmen of Nicaean took out of the Bible, took out certain books. And that's why if you look at the Catholic Bible and then look at the King James Version of the Bible, you'll find the King James Version only has 66 books and the Catholic Bible has 72 books. And this is it today because the Catholic Bible was the original Bible because the Roman Catholics, because Constantine was the first Roman to convert to Christianity. And the Bible that people are holding today, like we use, the King James Version was taken from the Tinsdale Version, which was taken from the Wycliffe Version, which was done in German before it was even brought to English. And then books were stolen and moved around and translations confused and words moved. And for instance, the very word God in Genesis was altered from a pluralization to an infinite. That's why they say, uh, in the beginning, God. It leaves it where that could be God's one, two, three, four, five, when you look at the word God. So there was a mystical doctrine. There were secrets that were kept uh, and protected. Certain things that the brotherhood protected, right, uh, about the family of Jesus, about the crucifixion of Jesus, about the life and whereabouts of Mary after Jesus. Uh, Jesus had what they refer to as sacred disciples, like uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, and these individuals belonged to a sacred brotherhood of which Lazarus was initiated in. Okay? Just to jump around a little. So we do have the wise men who were from a Persian chapter that came over to see the child that was born, actually to protect him. If you really read the Bible close, had not the wise men got there and told Joseph and Mary what to do, then Jesus might have died before he got baptized and received the power of God. Because the reality is that if Jesus had to leave Jerusalem and go to Egypt because Herod wanted to kill him, then the reality is he could die then. So he had to wait till he got to the point where he received the power of God, which was done by St. John the Baptist, who baptized him in age 29, where he received his godship, where he was invincible before, of course, the cross incident, as they put it, which, of course, part of the ritual is who was really on the cross. Did they really die on the cross? 
Did Jesus really marry? Was the wedding of Canaan? Whose wedding was that? All these things were held as secrets, but they recorded in Arabic. It wasn't put in other languages. And that's because Arabic preceded Hebrew, contrary to what most people believe. If you, uh, anybody has a Bible, and they open the books of Genesis to the 10th chapter, where they start giving you the genealogy coming down from Noah and them, you'll find that a person called Ashur was before a person called Aram. As you look in the Hebrew text, wherever they have, you know, Seretic, you'll see they have Aram. They switched it around. But the word Ashur became known as Seretic, and that's Syria, Surya, and the language then, were in that area, became known as Arabic. Let me make it clear. There's no such language Arabic became known as Arabic because the word Arabic in Arabic, Arabia, merely means to ara, to roam from place to place. And when Ibrahim, or in Hebrew, Abraham, right, left uh, all of Chaldea to cross the Tigris Euphrates to go over to Phoenicians where they called him Ivri, or Hebrew, right, he was speaking Seretic. And they'll tell you, Lebanon was Assyrian, and that was Abraham's Nahar, Abraham's father's brother, Tyranim, was in Syria. Chaldea was considered Syrian. I don't want to lose you now. But that language, Arabic, existed first. This is why you have two different names in the Bible for God. One name being Yahweh or Jehovah, and the other name being Elohim. You follow? The word Yahweh or Jehovah is equivalent to when you say in Aramic, Bar, for son, as opposed to what you would say in Seretic, Ben for son. So that's why you have two sons, Bar Jesus, and then Ben this, because two languages are running through the Bible. One of them is Seretic, or from Ashur, the oldest son, and the other is Aramic, which became known as Hebrew. Yahweh, or Jehovah, is a Hebrew name. But the word Elohim is the plural for Elo or Elah or Allah, which is ancient Ashuric or an Arabic name. You follow that? Jesus spoke Arabic. And that's why Jesus in the New Testament didn't call on Yahweh. He said Eli. He used the word Elah. Eli, Eli, Lama Thabekthani. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Because Jesus was a Nazarite, and he lived in Galilee. And the Galileans spoke Arabic, which you read in Acts when they start talking about the speaking in tongues. When you do a research, you find out that most of those tongues or languages they were speaking was different variations of Arabic, Syria, Egypt, and such. So Jesus himself spoke a form of Arabic as well as he did understand uh, the Nazarite dialect and Aramic, but his key language was Arabic, that's why he used the word Eli and not Jehovah when he was on the cross. And throughout the Bible you find men that have Eli in their name or El in their name dealing with the Ashuric side of the family which came down to Abraham to Ishmael. See how that went? Now you notice the Arabic verbs in their roots are all three parts. You should notice in the grammar of that language, all their root verbs are three parts. Like if they were going to give you the root word for book, it would be ke, te, be. 
know what I'm saying? What's going to be read is Karaha. Three parts. Sit, Jalasa. So now, when you get to the name for Abraham, you get Abraham. Avram. Or Ibrahim. When you get to his son by Hekat, which is Hagar, it becomes Ishmael. Correct? But the other son, they had to give him an Arabic name. Because his name was Yaakov or Jacob. And they changed his name to Israel. They gave him an Arabic name and moved from the Aramic to the Ashuric. You follow that? Because that's how the name comes. Yeshua. That's Jesus in Hebrew. Yeshua. It's three parts. You follow? So the shrine, the original shrines were formed out of the families of the prophet from Amr, right? Who became known as Hashem. And we get the word Hashemi, which is assassins who were protecting the pilgrims, as I said many times, who were on their way into the holy city of Becca. I'm stressing Becca with a B, because there's no city in the Arabic of the Quran called Mecca. This is a mistake done when they translated or took it from handwritten scripts from the original Arabic, which was a form of Farsi script that you see in the Quran today, and they translated and a mim or meme got mixed up with a beh because there was no nukat. The word nukat means dots. There was no nukat. There was no dots on the Arabic. There was no fatha, no kasra, no dhamma, no slashes or vowels originally. So they really couldn't tell. It depended on the calligrapher. So someone made a mistake when they were taking the Quran and not translating it, but inscribing it from the dialect of the Quraysh in Arabia over to Farsi, where Ali anhu, went to protect the Quran against the Caucasian groups of Sunni Muslims under Abu Bakr and his daughter Aisha, who were trying to take over Islam, who formed Sunni Islam to oppose Shia Islam, the Islam of Muhammad and Ali's family. So while he was protecting the Quran, they had to take it and put it in a language or script that they couldn't read, and that script became known as Kufic because they did it in a place called Kufr, and the letters got shifted. Now people are going to Mecca, when in actuality, that word Mecca is not in the Quran in Arabic. When you look at an English translation, you may see, and then you look at a commentary to explain, well, that's the mistake. The city is called Becca. Well, Becca was a center of trade and wealth, and the family of the Quraysh, or Muhammad's own family, were those responsible for protecting that city. So Muhammad's uncle named Hamza, who was a descendant from Hashem, decided to put together a band of men called Hashemiya, or assassins, and they dressed in all black. They depicted them in the Raiders of the Lost Ark. They thought they were being funny, and they also depicted them in um, Jewel of the Nile, when they show you them all dressed in black with red sashes, or the guy who runs up on the mound and switches the sword, and then he just turns around and politely shoots him. You remember that incident? Well, that man with the black mask on, the black emma or turban, and the black robe and red sash belonged to the sacred brotherhood of the original shrine. That was their traditional dress. 
You couldn't have had a Tarbush or a Fez if it originated in Saudi Arabia because the Tarbush and the Fez did not originate in Saudi Arabia. The Tarbush originated in Turkey and Egypt and Fez is a city called Fas in Morocco. So it couldn't have had a Fez as a dress, part of our original dress, if we originated in Arabia during the time of Ali, we would have been wearing the clothes that's in the Hadith and the Sunnah of Muhammad. Otherwise, we'd have been considered going against Islam. So Hamza was known to wear all black. And he took a band of blood relatives, young, idle men, of course, and women amongst them to cook and prepare, and went out and surrounded Becca, or what's called Mecca, and set up camps out there. And they became known as the tribe of Kedar. Kedar was the second son of Ishmael and means black tents. He said they were known to have these black tents. And anytime caravans were en route to Becca, if any uh, hoodlums or bandits would try to attack them to rob them of their spices or whatever they're transporting, then the tribe Hamzam them, would capture them, try them, and sentence them and execute them by, in most cases, beheading them. You follow? That became a fierce group of men. As years passed, let me jump some years, as the crusade came into play, then people had to protect the original city where the Masjid al-Aqsar is, which is in Jerusalem, because Muslims had a vested interest in there because in that city in Hebron was Ibrahim's mosque. Then they had the spot of the ascension where Ibrahim was challenged by the devil, which is the Dome of the Rock. All that was there. So tribes from the Hashemi who are now in Carnido, who don't walk around dressed in black image no more because we're way up to the 10th century now, they would go over there and they moved and lived amongst those people there and were trying to protect the shrines and the Shriners. You follow that? Those people who went, Shriners meaning those people who went to worship at the shrine. So they would secretly protect them. Meanwhile, the Christians on the other hand had their own group. Their group were known as Knights Templar. They were influenced out of Spain first, out of a place called Alhambra or Seville, where they encountered Moors. And they're the ones who had the pheasants. They encountered the Moors, and the Moors taught them, and they were the Catholic order, and became known as Knights of Columbus. You follow that? And then their Islamic order became known as Alhambra. We know it was done by people who wasn't Arabs, because they say Alhambra, and the word is Alhamra'ah, because it means the red house. You follow that? And the word is Hamra, not, uh, not Hamra, would it be? All right, these men were also paid large sums of money to go to Jerusalem to protect the holy sites while these people are fighting. Back then, they didn't have to worry too much about bombs. It was mainly to defend the temples and the priests against the rebels. What eventually happened is, here you are, a Knights Templar, and I am a Shriner, a Muslim Shriner, and we are both protecting the same building because the building is sacred to you <laughs> for Jesus and it's sacred to me because of Abraham and Muhammad. Muhammad making his ascension called Isra over there. So now we're there for the same reason. Eventually what happens is we start playing chess because we're idle. 
we're sitting there and we start exchanging conversations and then we start discussing the scripture and then these so-called Catholics, so there was no Baptists then, no Lutherans, started debating with the Muslims and the Muslims with them and they found out that they had more in common than they thought. They didn't know there was whole surahs or chapters in the Quran about Mary. They didn't know that was there and about her immaculate conception and how Jesus was the Kalim Allah, the word of Allah, and the Rahu Allah, and the spirit of Allah, and Jesus was exalted in this world and the hereafter, and Jesus spoke again. They didn't know that was in the Muslim doctrine. All they heard was the cry, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah, and let's go kill people. So as they started to meet, then some of the knights of Tabla became inquisitive about Islam, wanting to know more. They wanted to learn more about the prayer and the Adhan and the Iqama and the Muqtadi. And they tell them, well, before you do that, you got to take Shahada. Shahada is a word meaning bearing witness. You got to take Shahada that you worship one God and that God alone and have no partners with that God. That's no big deal because they basically believe that. So they took Shahada and they started coming into the temple. It was allowed now in the masjids with the Muslims as long as they respected it. They knew that they wasn't devout. Some of the Templar started learning the Arabic language and starting to read the Quran in the language. They became the original Shriners. The story that the Caucasians give about beating in a restaurant and all that stuff is something they made up. You follow? They became the original Shriners there. That's the first time Caucasians or non-Arabs were allowed to wear the symbol. You're right? and to be introduced to a small portion of the doctrine. They were given certain stories as symbols to test their loyalty. And they were given certain trials and certain what you might call examinations to see how firm they were before certain secrets could be passed on to them about the truth about Jesus and the truth about Mary and the truth about Judas. You follow? And some of these men took that oath. Eventually, the French Foreign Legion is formed. You follow what I'm saying? And these are supposed to be the French Orient who have now converted to Islam. And they're there protecting the desert. Now they're converting from France, they're converting from Britain, they're coming in from Ireland, they're different ones. And they're basically Catholics, but they are adhering to the Islamic principles because they had to respect Islamic law, you never put your foot up in front of a person, you never do this. When you meet a person, you say, Assalamu alaikum. They say, What does that mean? They said the same thing Jesus said in the upper room when he came and he said, Peace be upon you. So, again, Assalamu alaikum. So that's how that ends up in the shrine of part of the doctrine. I can't go into the rituals, I can't tell you everything, but in certain in the rituals, certain stories are enacted that can be found in Sirat al Islamia. In the history of Islam, you can find everything. You follow? And one of the things they did is the Caucasian ones got attached to a certain man called Qadir. Remember that jewel of the Nile? And he was going to try to rule everybody. Danny DeVito was in this, remember that? And they called him Qadir. He's trying to find the jewel or the stone of the Nile, which is, of course, the black stone, which is not black, it's brown. <laughs> you have to see it to know which is another mistake. All right, so what happens is this man, Qadir, was a very powerful Sufi or a mystic, a fakir. When you use the word fakir, you're really saying a very poor person. Right? And he had his own band of men who were like the Hashemiyah. 
and the Caucasians admired him when he died they set up a ritual to reenact his death over and over again Caucasians in New York were invited to Algiers first they visited Morocco for a party then they visited Egypt for a party and then they visited Algiers while in Algiers they went to a certain sultan's party and at that sultan's party they were enacting a play of a part of the history of Islam with Aisha Aisha one of the wives of the prophet and something she did wrong they were enacting this play and this enactment became it was like a mystical ritual for the brothers these Caucasians were so overwhelmed by this play and this enactment that they brought it back to the United States in manuscripts poorly translated and set up their own ritual and formed what they called the shrine. Most of the Negroes who accepted their philosophy or petitioned to go to them had no idea that there was already a black shrine. You follow people like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, Noble Drew Ali, uh, Marcus Moses Garvey, all of these guys were tapped by a man called Dus Ali Muhammad or Dus Muhammad Ali of Egypt who belonged to the Egyptian shrine called Masjid al-Hussein over at Khanakhalili and that's the Arab shrine in Egypt across the street from the University of Al-Azhar and that's where those Arab shrines meet. A lot of American Negroes have no idea that we have an Arabic shrine, an ancient doctrine, ancient rituals. The thing they're holding in their hand is something that some Caucasians found a little bit of in their past and they're wondering where the, where the gap is at. What are we missing? I thought there were some secrets. Well, there is. They just don't have them because they got away from their own language. The first trick comes in is before you get into the shrine, you must be a what? What must you be before you get into the shrine? Say that again. Freemason. A Freemason? A Freemason. That means you have to be a free man, right? Free from? Free to? Huh? See, this is already assuming that everybody that wants to join was a slave. And if that's true, then how the Caucasians end up effing AM? Who freed them? The fact is that they were slaves because the actual word slave, as you know, means Slavic. And they were slaves to the Moors in Morocco and in Spain. You understand? And they were slaves to the Moors in Ireland and Scotland and Yorkshire in England, where you'll find crests to this very day with pictures of Moors on the family crest of all of those countries. Africans up there, Moors. You hear me? So a Moor cannot be freed because a Moor was never a slave. You have to understand that there was a treaty made between George Washington and Sidi Mohammed of Morocco when America was losing the battle for us to bring in ships from Morocco and to surround America and protect the shores. You can look this up. And you know what happened? Boats of Negroes came. You know what I'm saying? George Washington was surprised because they had already had Africans in slavery. And the men that came to protect America were Negroes called 
morenos. There's no Arabic word for more. They were called morenos. So what they did is they called the ones that were here from Africa by slave ships negra or negro or negro. Guess where that comes from? That comes out of the Bible. In Acts chapter 13 verse 1. The word nigger is in your Bible. Simeon, the brother of Jesus, Simon, the brother of Jesus is called nigger. And if you do some research under the word nigger in the Greek, you'll find out it means black-skinned person, which kind of tells you what Jesus really looked like, right in your Bible. You follow what I'm saying? So they called the ones that were slaves in America niggers or negroes. And they called the ones they respected Morenos or Morena. And then the ones who married in, they called Blackamoors. They were part African and part Moor. Now, any African who wanted to join a lodge who was in, in America, a slave, had first to be freed. He had to be free because you have to be a free man. See? But the Moors didn't need to be free because we are the ones that initiated them and raised them and crossed them. We took them across the desert because they couldn't find their way from Saudi Arabia to Syria and from Syria over to Egypt. And it's a map of the constellation of Sirius that's in the sky. And that's the symbol that the original Hashemites would use. They would draw a certain marking, and that's what they say, and Jesus got down and marked something on the ground. That's a ritual symbol. You with me? So you had two groups now. You have the American Negroes who have been enslaved, accepted themselves as slaves. Then you had the Moors who came over here from Morocco. You follow that? Both of them are black as night, will not be here. And you can't free a Moor, because a Moor has never been enslaved. That's why we here call ourselves United Nwapian Nation of Moors. And we demand that our sovereignty be recognized, because we have a treaty that we made with George Washington that's in the archives, and we can show it. And we can take our bloodline back and verify that you can't give me a charter from England. I gave you the charter, silly. You can't make me a Shriner. You don't even know how to say Shriner in Arabic. They make the mistake on all the certificates to put the word Kupt, Kubba, in Arabic. It's just not Kubba. A Kubba Shrine is where a dead person is at. Now, if you wait for me to give you the word, I'm not. Because that's one of the real sacred passwords <laughs> that you have to find out in your own due time. You with me? So now you have this situation where you got slaves, niggers, and those who call themselves Negroes, and then a man called Prince Hall, who has a Caucasian father and a Babasian French mother, who was also slave. Right? But he had to be free. So, therefore, they referred to his lodge as a African lodge. But Noble Juali, on the other hand, who went over to Egypt to study, and into Morocco to study, 
came back and said, no, we are not Negroes. We are not colored people. We are not African Americans. The word Africa, Ifriqiya, means Faraka, to divide up into pieces, to distinguish people from each other. It's not one of our words. That's not us. We're not African, or right? We're not Negroes. We're not colored. In fact, Caucasians got more colors on them than we do. They got blue eyes and pink skin and speckled and red hair, some and brown hair, others and green hair and so much other stuff. Yeah, none of y'all are colored. So Nobu Ali came back and through him came out the Nation of Islam and they were trying to teach a form of Moorish doctrine and it got lost along the way when money took over the logic like in all situations. And it went dormant. You follow me? So there was original shrine. There was original secrets and protectors of the Holy Child, the Holy Child that was born 2,000 years ago and the one that will be born soon according to Revelation chapter 12, which people don't seem to realize there's two distinctive births taking place because they don't know how to read the languages. They're getting King James Version and King James was a king, not a reverend and not a translator. He didn't even profess to be a Baptist. <laughs> he was a what? Anglican. They were a branch of Roman Catholics. He used a Roman Catholic Bible, so when they decided to do his version, he decided to leave them books out and put 66 books in. You hear me? And left out six books. 66 and 6. Revelation chapter 13 has 18 verses three times. They were putting a code there to let you know that you're holding the book of the devil when they gave you the Holy Bible. You follow? You know why? Because when it leaves the original language, the language of God, it's no longer holy. You know how you know that? Because Christ said, not one jot nor one tittle shall be removed from the law. Nothing should have been changed. He said, I did not come to change, but to fulfill, to complete it. So if it got changed from Christ's time in the language that Christ was speaking, then it's no longer holy. It's only holy when the high priests are reciting it in the language of Christ. Can you grasp that? Are you with me here? I know it sounds weird after all these years of poor indoctrination, but I specialize in language. And it's fascinating to find out how these devil played this game and try to wake people up to this. If it's in English, it's not holy. It's holy by Bill, but not the holy Bible. Completely done by a man named Bill, and Billy is short for William, and William is William Shakespeare, and William Tyndale, who wrote the whole Bible, totally done by Bill. But not the Holy Bible. You understand? This is all done purposely. So when you are in the shrine, and you are reading your rituals in English, and can't read the Arabic language, and call it an Arabic order, 
you are out of order. We must get it organized because it's ours. Don't think it don't exist because it does. Don't think that people who are descendants of the Prophet Muhammad, the real Sharif and the Sayyid don't exist because I'm standing right here. And everybody that knows me knows that I'm a direct descendant from Muhammad. Saying I'm nothing I'm saying today. I can trace my family from my father straight on back to Muhammad to Ali. And we still have the doctrine. And we still have the language. And we're still here to protect Asa when he comes, when Jesus is born. It is our job as the shrine of the heavenly host. We have a war. We got to fight against that dragon. The partying is over. The children we've been taking care of as a shrine is a symbolic of us taking care of that child. That's why in 1997 they call it the International Year of the Child, but they address taking care of all children. So we the shrine have been taking care of all the children as a symbol of preparation to take care of that holy child when he is born. And know this, are y'all with me? And notice that the dragon, Revelation chapter 12, the devil called Lucifer, they give you all his names, and Satan is waiting to devour the child. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, when the harsh, his name is, the whisperer, is being cursed, what they tell you? On thy belly shall thou go, and what? Dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Snakes don't eat dust. Are you with me? You with me? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> You're the spirit, right? <laughs> when Cain had his consonants fall because he did not do the ritual of the offerings right, you see, he got mad. He became worse, angry, because he wasn't doing it right. I've met shriners. I'm talking. I say, well, brother, that's not the shrine. I've been in the shrine. That's not the real shrine. You an Arab, brother? That's some stuff we gave the Caucasians to keep them busy. Ain't nothing in there you learn. Want me to teach you some stuff, some real shrine stuff? Cause you're my brother. You're more. They get mad at me. It works. You can't go organize your own thing. We organize our own thing. We existed since Muhammad. You're organizing your own thing. You're talking about some guy just said he got it in 1860. And we've been around doing this here since 570. 1860 versus 570. Who do you think the faker is? Our shrine, we're still speaking out of it. Still protecting the secret. You with me? But that came... He was worse. That means angry. And his consonants, as it says in the Hebrew of the Bible, nephel. His consonants fell. Nephel. Hear the word? Nephel. It's from the Hebrew word nephelah. To fall down from where you get the word nephelian when it says giants in the earth in those days. 
when the sons of God came down to earth in his days, that's when the devil was being cast out of heaven, as you read in Revelation chapter 12, because he went up against Mikael. Who was Mikael? Mikael in Hebrew. He, he said, who dares to go up against El? That's what his name means. Mikael in Hebrew. Like El, who dares to try to be like God? And Lucifer did. <laughs> he said he's going to take all the stars of the heaven and control them. Ain't that what he said? He's going to bring it down and he's going to sit on the throne of God. Ain't that what he said? <laughs> and he fooled himself, didn't he? Because God didn't come out. God sent one of his warring angels, one of his shriners. <laughs> Are you with me? And there was war in heaven. People say, well, brother, y'all, how can they have a war in heaven? They have birth in heaven. They have birth in heaven. Open your Bible to Genesis chapter 2. And when you read, these are the generations of the heaven and the earth. In Hebrew, the word is toslid or toslo. And the word in there, yolid, in Hebrew, means to give birth or beget. In any other place in the Bible where some people, a man and woman, is giving birth to a child, they say, he begot him, and he begot him, they're using the word toslo, toslo, toslo. So it says, this is the generation, this is the toslo, of the Shemarian, the heavens, and the earth in Hebrew. Then you lie to yourself. Everybody who can do me a favor, reach down and pick up a handful of this stuff here. <laughs> Hold this stuff up in your hand. You see this? What is this? Sand. This is earth. This is earth. Now, what's the name of your planet? Huh? That can't be, because this is Earth. What is the name of this planet? Y'all have named everybody else's planet. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. But you don't even have a name for your own planet. The Christians don't have it. The Jews use the word Erith in Hebrew, meaning Earth. The Muslims use the word Arda in Arabic, meaning Earth. Arda, Earth. Where they steal it from, the Sumerians who use the word iridu for one part of the earth where they came down, as Genesis chapter 6 says. So what is the name of your planet? <laughs> Praise God, you don't have one, huh? Your doctrine, your Bible is so thorough that it forgot to give you the name of your own planet. You hear me? These are things we know. These are things we protect. You with me? They desecrated Mecca. They lost its purpose. And, you know, and I used to say, we got to bring it, bring it back to its purpose. If we can't bring it back to its purpose, then what did Muhammad do it for? For humans like us to come and mess it up? For mortal men to come in and trip imams and chefs and Mulana to change things and make themselves feel important? No, Islam is simple. Islam is peace. That's all it is. It's peace. How can you be, and I argue all the time, Islam means peace. They say Islam means submit. No, Islam means peace. Islam means submit. Islam means peace. Because if you, if you submit to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're in peace. How can you miss that? You know, they want to wrestle with doctrines and dogmas. What's the root of it all? Peace. And how do you get to peace? By caring. I told people, well, I'm afraid of the word love. Everybody say love each other. Well, love could be lust too. 
because the media has worked the word love so much until we got to throw that word almost away and start and use the word care. If you start to really care, care becomes a thing. And people use care more than the, the, the desecrated word love will disappear and caring will become real. Learn to care. It's simple. You know, it's not about care about who or care about what. Just care and everything will start happening. And if everybody just cares, you know what I'm saying? Then the heavens care. And then Mother Nature will care again. Then the tornadoes and the hurricanes and the floods will stop because she'll know that we care. If all of us, until that time, until we can get that, we're going to have more floods, more diseases. They said a thousand children catch AIDS a day. We're going to have all kinds of things until the, the, the aura, the energy, the persona of, of care, that people are starting to care. When you see somebody in stress, help them. But don't help them just because I said so. Learn to help them because you care. You understand? Really want to help a person. Don't just be pushing people aside. You know, reach out. And everybody, we all do. You know what's going to happen? We're going to bump into each other. I'm going to be trying to help you. You'll be trying to help me. You know what I mean? I'll be trying to help you. You'll be trying to help me. I'm trying to help you too. Let's go help somebody together. All that, everything else, all religions, all faiths, all beliefs, belief systems, they don't mean a thing if the root of it is not simple concern. Simple concern. The people of Palestine, they say, what do you worship? And they say, well, Yahweh, Adonai, in Hebrew, Ibrahim. Strip away the word Adonai, strip away the word Yahweh. What do you worship? Strip away the name. The creator, the source. Okay, let's go. Now let's go from Jerusalem, from the Wailing Wall to Mecca and say, what do you worship? Allah, Al-Khaliq, Al-Ali, Al-Alim. Okay, strip away the name. What is he? The Most High. Now let's go to Christianity. What do you worship? Jesus. No. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. No one gets to the Father but my way, by me. Let's go to the Father. Who is the Father? The Most High. So where's the conflict? The conflict is in men. Mortal men who want a monopoly on human souls. And they're our, they're our greatest, I mean our greatest enemy is, uh, is dogma, is doctrine, is philosophy, is interpretation, is tafsir. This is our biggest problem when men come in and feel they got to tell you how to relate to God. That's the problem. And he gets a uniform, and he's a clergy, and he's full of color, and he looks good, and he sounds good, and I like that old man. He got a white beard, he, do, he got the God look, and I forget God for him. And he gets so used to being a reverend, and so used to being an imam, so used to be a kohen or a rabbi, he gets this God complex. And eventually, guess what? Whenever I'm in distress, I go to him. Say, so yeah, chef, I need to have a problem. Instead of me going to Allah, I go to the reverend. Excuse me, reverend, um, I'm having a problem at home. Oh, Rabbi, I'm having a problem. What happened? Men stepped in. And they started cutting off the flow between you and the Most High. And they make themselves a focal point through you. I told people, I don't have no followers. Oh, y'all are followers of this guy, Doctor. I don't have no followers. I don't want nobody walking behind me. You walk alongside of me in this world. Don't tell nobody I follow. You don't follow me. I follow you. I'm here serving you. You ain't serving me. I'm doing my best to teach you, so I'm really your slave. You're not my slave. 
I'm here to, I'm just trying to pass on what they're giving me to give you. They said, get it back in place. I'm just, I'm trying to do. That's all. This, this, this ritual used to take place in ancient Mitz, or Mitraim, or Kemet, whatever name you want to use, thousands of years ago. You go all up in Europe, and you'll find inside the cathedrals, labyrinths, where the priests, not the laymen, the priests, when everybody left the cathedrals, their priests go around in a labyrinth. You go to China, you'll see the same thing. Labyrinth. When did they pull the labyrinth out of our way of life? You know why? Because everybody there right now is on their own personal journey. There's no preacher up front telling them what to feel. No, no rabbi directing their emotions. When you get over under that sprinkle and that sprinkle of water touches you, then it's just you and the Most High. And you know it. And you feel it when you're out there. There's nobody else. You don't need no reverence. You don't need no rabbi. You don't need none of those things. You have a direct contact, a direct link to the Most High. And if you let men cut it off, it's your fault. You are a part of it all. You're not just in the all. You are in all. The, the definite article, is to define the first step or the doorway into all. So you start by saying, I am in the all. And as you elevate, you realize the the got to go. I'm not in the all. I'm in all. All is in me. You're not just a part of the all. You start off a part of the all as you begin to acknowledge the all. But once you get a full understanding of the all, you no longer are a part of the all. You are the all. And that's why that, that hum on that tone is there. It's supposed to be the vibration of creation. In ancient times, they say om. Same tone, om. In Arabic, we say hunna. The way we would recite the Quran in Tajweed is hunna. If you say, now different people start at different times because it's personal. Come into the world, a person they do is say, 
and the chaos and the anger that we've created in the world makes them cry out. You know, realign yourself. Realign yourself. There's no more beautiful thing you can do than to realign yourself with the source that cares. You know what I'm saying? When someone is angry at you, don't be provoked to respond. Don't be provoked to do anything that your soul doesn't dictate. Don't be guided. Don't be led. Guide and lead. You know, reach out and make yourself a part of the solution, not the problem. Everybody here who has a child, when you pick up your child, that feeling that you feel is how you should feel when you touch everybody. You know what I'm saying? Everybody you come in contact with should be that same love. I should care. And I can feel if I care. If you're weak, if you're ill, I'll feel it. And I should want to share my strength from every bit. But the way I go in my pocket and give you to help feed you, and if I'm healthy, when I, when I embrace you, I should send my help to you also. Not just gather in a building and pretend we care. Sit around, everybody use the same name for God. It mean, means religion. Don't mean a thing. It don't mean it until you realign yourself. The universe, the sky, with the air, when birds see you and they're familiar because they feel your presence and they're not afraid of you. Animals are not afraid of you when you feel, they feel you. You have no fear. When they see that, that animalistic nature in you, they're afraid of you. Plants will grow. Plants in your yard that wouldn't grow when your house is changed to a peaceful place, you'll see plants flowers growing. Mother Nature will give you signs that she knows that you're trying to reach her. And you may stumble along the way because babies do fall. You may get weak and fall off the path. That happens. But if you got a focal point, if you got a purpose, if you set up goals, I don't mean vague, I mean vivid, clear. I got to do something. I got to be a part of the solution. That's I all talk, all oh, bunch of kids on drugs. That's not being a part of it. I got to tell them why they don't need it. I got to create an atmosphere for them where they feel good. I'm telling you, when you people look around here, what, what I see here, there's people that if I saw on the street, I might have been nervous if I approached them. I might have felt uncomfortable, but I don't. I got everything here. You got everything here from old people to young people, hip hoppers, <laughs> right on down to R&Bs. Nobody's having no problems. Don't tell me there's no, don't tell me there can't be peace. It can be peace. All people got, enough people got to do is want it. Don't desire it. Want it. If you want it, you'll go after it. If you desire it, you'll look for someone to bring it to you. Get up and go after it. Look around. Look at all the different people, all the different faces. This is something that is going to go on forever. When you leave and go wherever you're going, I'm going to be doing this next week. I'm going to be coming down and doing it again. If I leave and go somewhere, when I fly back in or drive back in, my first stop is going to be there again. Keep on sending that energy of love out into the world and care, care, care. Keep sending out. Keep sending out. But look at them. Just look at that. You know? I mean, what could beat that? 
You know, how many people, how many people here had made their Mugharaj? How do you feel? Good. Beautiful. 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 Personal. Beautiful. And it's a personal beauty. We got to work again towards having that type of earthly harmony. Earthly harmony, not black harmony. Not Nubian harmony. Earthly harmony as a family of human beings who want to live in peace. Right. I'm not right. saying the right. government is all bad, and I know for sure if we set up our own government somewhere along the line, it's also going to go bad because you can't control corruption. Right. Right. Corruption right. finds its way in. Always. Scandals find their way in. Slander finds its way in. It's having so much good love amongst us that it's dominating. to bring that forth. No one wins the race. No one. And we can all say that. Be yourself and you ain't got nothing to be worried about. Stop trying to be other than self, you ain't have no problem. You know what I'm saying? Just trying to be somebody you can't be is why you're mad at them. If you let things be the way they're supposed to be, trees will grow, flowers will grow, and everything will be happy. Stop killing and eating animals. You know what I'm saying? Start cutting up the trees. Plant some trees. Plant some flowers. And if you live in a city where it's bricks and you can't do it, get out of there. I want to see families roaming all over this place. We don't want to turn into no, no ghetto now. We want to break everything up there. You know there are some destructive people. So everybody to police our society. Everybody to police the children. Everybody's responsible for what's going into their heads. I don't want to be restricted. I don't, walking is good. I want the children to learn walking. I also want them to learn French. I want them to learn Spanish. I want them to learn English. Even German if we have to. We want to reach out to everybody in the world so we can set up a model community of peace. A model community of cooperation. We learn to buy from each other and sell to others. That's the way the system is set up. Those who ain't selling nothing is buying everything. So we got to learn to produce things that are us. Egypt is us. So we should corner the Egyptian market. As a nation, you got to have a product, a produce. You got to have something that other people in the world respect and want. And you can't go on and fabricate something because it won't work for so long. It has to have some indigenous root in it. And all of us have roots in Egypt. All of us have, to have roots in Samaria, even pre-Egypt. We have roots in this land here. And from Africa, people walked everywhere. They didn't just walk across America. They walked up into Africa, up into Europe, and became Neanderthals. They walked all out to the west eastward and became Peking. And from Uganda, they walked over here and became Almat. They went down southern parts of and became the Bush people. We walked in every direction from one family, from one group of beings that were tapped into by supreme beings. Whether you want to call it God, Yahweh, Elohim, Allah, whatever name makes you feel good, that's not important. But we do know as Homo erectus, some beings stepped in and implanted a gene that made Homo sapiens that took us all the way this far, but way down the root of our genes was still that animal nature. 
And as time went on, that gene started tumbling. If you watch much closely, people are transforming back into animals. Right. Killing each other for nothing. They got mothers sticking their babies in garbage cans. Most, many animals in the animal kingdom desert their children and let them fend for self. That's not supposed to be in a godly nature. We have an animal nature and we have a godly nature. They work together, but the godly nature must rule the animal nature. The principles of love must rule the principles of hate and dislike. that the word love, the devil has even set out to mess up the word love. So let's start caring first. Let's use caring first. Become concerned about people around you. I mean the stranger. Speak to the stranger politely. Good morning. When you see somebody in stress, help them. Because you might be the person in stress that will be helping himself. If you see somebody down, pick them up. You stand there with money in pocket, someone's talking about their bills. Let me think about those new sneakers. Say, here, let me help you pay them bills. Make that person strong. Just because you got right knowledge, it doesn't mean when every time you meet somebody who's wrong to the Christian faith, you got to badger them. Just to right. prove how great you are. That doesn't make you look good, it makes you look bad. You got to wean them the way a mother weans her baby with kids and give them help and vitality and strength and comfort and assurance. They got to feel comfortable when they're talking to you because you are the sons and daughters of God. And they've been longing for you. They've been waiting for this. You can't come off like this. You both to walk with them and talk with them. As they say, Enoch walked and talked with God. Well, you're that God that Enoch walked and talked with. Don't feel intimidated by monotheism because many people could only afford one pair of shoes. And some people could only have enough worship for one God. Others can extend further than that. They can thank the God of love, the God of nature, the God of air, the God of the sun. But I tell everybody that belongs to any religion on this planet, if you don't acknowledge that S-U-N, I don't care what you worship, you won't be here. Finbad, the Sahaf of the Prophet Adam, the Book of Life. First page, verses 1 through 55, revealed in the year 3126 BCE. Begin all things with the illustrious name of Allah, the Noah, the wise, the body of Al-Khidr. It is related in the records that Allah, most glorified and exalted, thought of becoming and became, and he created three states, Lahut, the realm of Allah, Malakut, the realm of angelic beings, and Nasut, the realm of human beings, or the first, the physical world, the last. He created a being to rule over Malakut, the realm of the angelic beings, 
He was myself, Michael, of his pure light. And he was to create a human being to rule over Nessus, the realm of the human being. He is to be called Adam, son of Allah. And as Allahut, the realm of Allah, his throne is there. Allah most glorified and exalted created a green tree with four branches and called it the tree of certainty, Shajaratul Yaqeen, also known as Loti tree or the green tree. Then he created my light, Michael, al Khidr, in a veil of green emerald like the wing of a peacock and placed it on that tree. So my light said, Subhanallah, glory to Allah, on it for six and seventy trillion years. Then Allah most glorified and exalted created the mirror of life, which is the light of the seraphim. They are one race of angelic beings, angelic beings of the green light, and from its reflection created the cherubim, angelic beings of the lesser light, the second race of angelic beings. And the mirror was placed to receive that light of Allah, most glorified and exalted. When the peacock looked into it, it saw its form as the most beautiful of forms and its shape as the most adorned. So it felt embarrassed before Allah, most glorified and exalted, and sweated. Seven drops of sweat fell from it. And from the first drop, Allah, most glorified and exalted, created you, the prophet Adam, son of Allah. May Allah be pleased with you to be the ruler of Nasut, the realm of human beings. From the second, he is to create one called the prophet apostle Noah, son of Lamech. May Allah be pleased with him. And from the third, he is to create one called the prophet apostle Abraham, son of Tur. May Allah be pleased with him. And from the fourth, he is to create two called the Apostle Ismail and Isaac, sons of the Prophet Apostle Abraham. May Allah be pleased with them. From the fifth, he is to create two called the Prophet Apostle Moses and the Prophet Aaron, sons of Imran. May Allah be pleased with them. From the sixth, he is to create the prophet Messiah Jesus, son of Gabriel, one of the seraphim, angelic beings of the green light. He shall be his only begotten in his time. May Allah be pleased with him. And from the seventh, he will create one called the prophet apostle Ahmed, son of Abdullah. May Allah be pleased with them all. Then that light of the Prophet Apostle Ahmed son of Abdullah 
prostrated five times. So the five prostrations were to become obligatory for the followers at an appointed time. And so Allah most glorified and exalted made five prayers obligatory for the Prophet Apostle Ahmed and his nation. Then Allah most glorified and exalted looked at the light again and it sweated from modesty before Allah most glorified and exalted. From the sweat of its nose, Allah most glorified and exalted created more of the angelic beings, angelic beings of the green light. From the sweat of its face, he created a masjid in Jerusalem. The footstool, the tablet of form, the pen, the sun, the moon, the veil, and the stars, and what is in the heavens. From the breast, he created the man, the God, the mujahid, the reformer, the men of knowledge, and the marvels. And from the sweat of its back, he created the visitors, the house, the Kaaba, the holy house, one in Malakut, the realm of the angelic beings, and one in Nasser, the realm of the human beings. And the places of the Masajid is Nasser, the realm of the human beings. From the sweat of his two eyebrows, he will create the community of the Prophet Apostle Ahmed, son of Abdullah. May Allah be pleased with him. Of the faithful and the Muslims, ones of peace, both men and women. Upon the plain of force, there is neither distance nor time. There is not heat or cold, summer or winter, day or night. From the sweat of its two feet, he created planet Earth. From the east to the west, and what is in it? Then Allah, most glorified and exalted, said to the light, Look before you, O light of Al-Khidr, Michael. So he looked, and he saw a light before him. the God, 
and on the Mujahideen, the reform, which was all set from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. The man of the hour, airing seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WGAG Radio. That's what they do. 
And that's what they did back in Egypt. The invasion of richer cultures. When Egypt was going through its drought period, and it's going to be going through another drought in the next five years, when it was going through its drought period, it caught them with their guard down. Different invasions of Hittites and other tribes influenced their culture. Okay, my next question is, um, you said that you got the Sukhuf out of the, uh, one of the secret chambers at the bottom of the pyramid. Is that correct? No, it was given to me by a man named Mahmoud who got it from the pyramid. Yeah, I was incorrect. I'm sorry. You said the Sukhuf was in the uh, sacred chamber of the pyramid when Noah's flood took place? Yeah. So my question is, if that the Egyptians are the descendants of Noah, how are these pyramids built prior to the flood? So the pyramids were built by extraterrestrials. Okay. Not by men. Men assisted them. And they have found mummified extraterrestrials. They found them. You know, they, they have them. It's nothing new. The British Museum has a lot of things that they don't even bring here. And the Canadian Museum has one also, by the way. So what was the purpose of the um, extraterrestrials building these pyramids? They were schools. The pyramids were schools of thought, where they taught. The masses met there. And those, all those pyramids are linked around the world. They're magnetic centers. Each permit creates a magnetic force field to charge ships that pass over, which we all refer to as a flying force, which we call tropic fire. Right? It's yeah. fire by it's charge. That's what the Bermuda Triangle is also a school. And it also has a permit of electricity that charges ships. That's why they always find UFOs hovering over the permit or over the Bermuda Triangle or over large places where there's a lot of electricity to charge themselves. Did they teach men? Yes, they taught men. They taught Nubians. They taught Nubians. Yeah, they taught them eye operations and brain operations and things that modern-day scientists are confessing existed in Egypt before they knew anything about it. They're saying, now, we know that these Egyptians and these people in Africa were doing great surgeries and having tools to perform brain operations that we just got into this year. How'd they do it? Well, they was, they was taught by extraterrestrials or far more advanced than mortals on Earth. Were they taught religious wisdom also? Religion in what respect? Because Al-Islam is more than just a religion, it's a way of life. Yes. In respect of um, the oneness of Allah? That's emphasized. That point is always emphasized. The elders are called the Elohim. So they had that knowledge prior to uh, Noah? Trillions of years before Noah. This planet is a planet of babies compared to extraterrestrials from other galaxies. No, I'm not talking about the extraterrestrials. I'm talking about the people that were taught by extraterrestrials. Oh, yeah. Yeah, before Noah. So there are actually two sources of the religious wisdom? Oh, they're all the same. Because Noah was visited by extraterrestrials. Okay. All right, I have a question on another subject concerning Canaan. Was Canaan born with a soul? Yes, he was. At what point did the white man lose their soul? Well, Canaan was not a white man. Canaan was a black man. He was albino. He was albina, we call him. Okay. They got up into the mountains, and they was born their soul because the, if you read the book, you find out that some of the 200 fallen angels came into Canaan's 11 sons, not Canaan. Mm-hmm. When his wife and him fell out conceived, their sons were possessed of demons. It was at that point that they were sold. Okay, thank you. My question is, if, if our purpose is to get back to the state where the Creator wants us, why are some brothers and sisters not being able to see the truth? Don't want to see it, don't want to hear it? Because the devil did a real good job. So the devil is the one who put the veil. Yeah, the devil has done a good job of, of making them want to be what he is. And he's a failure. Every one of his societies always looks rich, but it always fails. Rome, Greece, Mesopotamia. And this society here is beginning to fall apart. The interior is falling apart now. Watch the news. 
So our people are afraid as men to stand up on our own and build our own nation. We're just afraid to. We've been living under the white man so long that we feel comfortable under his arm. We're afraid to stand up on our own and go for it. And we can do it. So it's the white man that put the veil on, on the on the eyes so they won't see or hear. No, the Allah comes upon Allah, Allah Khulubiyam. Allah will seal anybody's heart who seeks disbelief. If you want to find a reason not to be a Muslim, Allah will help you not be a Muslim. I see. If you want to look for a reason to say, I'm going to find fault in Ibrahim, he'll help you find fault. I'm going to find fault in the community, he'll help you find fault. If you say, I want to find righteousness in a person, he'll help you find righteousness. If you look at a person and say, I want to find good in that person, he'll help you find good. If you look at that person and say, I want to find wrong, he'll help you find wrong. You can do it. Shukran. As-salamu alaykum. Uh, I have one question, and it's on a, a verse in a portion of the Quran where uh, Allah commands a people to be as apes. Can you give a, a definition or an explanation of that? This quote is talking to the children of Israel, and it says that because they violated the Sabbath, right, that they shall be as swine and apes. And that's because in ancient Israel, you remember Jesus, he used to cast demons into swine. You follow that? In ancient Israel, the symbol of the ape and the swine was always a symbol of something possessed by a demonic thing. And he was telling the children of Israel, because they violated, maliciously violated the Sabbath, they will be cast down to the level of swine and ape. And that was a curse that was placed on them, which manifested, that's like we were talking about earlier, in their curse of leprosy. See, people think the Sabbath started with Moses, and it did. The Sabbath is back in Genesis, when he says, and on the seventh day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ceased from creation. He didn't stop and go to sleep like this. He ceased from creation and then evolution or things evolved into place. And that day, that seventh day, is the seventh thousand year of creation. We are only in the sixth thousand. On the six thousand years of the devil's rule of he got his curse before that. And he is like the swine and he's like the ape. That is him. Um, in regards to that previous question about, on the quote, Magnum Man and all those different um, types of so called. Um, Pre, pre prehistoric. Right. Um, how do you explain the different artifacts, you know, people that were found? Like, not people, but you know. I don't bother to. See, the difference between me and most people is I don't bother to explain them because of the fact that I believe in what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran. So I'm not looking for a reason to believe what some white boy in the 18th century named Darwin said. I'm not interested in what he says because I already believe in the Quran. Now, I've written a book about it, and I've attacked the subject for those people who have a little bit of faith, trying to strengthen their faith. Personally, I'm not the least concerned with their findings, because I know the white man made the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, and inside the caves it looked real to me and you. I know he can make all kinds of things. He made the mummy movie, and we can forget while watching it that we're watching the movie. And you personally have never seen any of them, personally, and if you did, you didn't have the knowledge, because he didn't approve of it, for you to be able to analyze them yourself. So all we have is his say-so, right? So the choice is between, do we listen to what this white guy in the 18th century says, or do we listen to the creator of the heaven and the earth? I prefer to listen to the creator of the heaven and the earth. So therefore, I don't even put myself in a position to analyze stones and rocks as our descendants because the Quran doesn't go that way. The Quran makes it clear that Allah created us. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And when we start to probe, we're showing doubt in Allah. When we start saying, well, maybe it's true, then we have to confess we're not Muslims then. We're still not Muslims yet. Because when we become Muslims, we no longer question or doubt Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any kind of way. And if he didn't say that, then it don't exist. 
He says he created man. So that's what it is. You follow? That's how I look at it, say. Every man has his own right to look at it his own way. I look at it as Allah says it in the Quran, and that's what it is. Because I don't doubt the Quran. And the moment I start to question it, then I'm no longer Muslim. Because the Quran says don't doubt it. Assalamu alaikum. I understand from reading some of Imam Easton's pamphlets that the Gospel of Barnabas was excluded from the Bible because it had too many truths in it, correct? And uh, the other day I bought this book from um, one of the brothers, this Gospel of Barnabas. And I read in here that um, before the day of judgment, there's going to be 15 days where there's a sign for each day. And afterwards, like after he explained that what was going to happen, he said on the 15th day that the 15th day the holy angels shall die and the law alone shall remain alive to whom be honor and glory. Is that true? In the book of Revelation, when they say we're going to wipe away the heavens and wipe away the earth and bring in a new heaven and a new earth, correct? Mm -hmm. It also says every man must taste death and then he will return to us. You see that? Every angel and every man's light will go out. That the only light that shines on Yawmat Akhri is the light of Allah. And then those who will be rekindled with light will be by the leave of Allah. So the answer when they say the holy angels will die is to say that the light of the angels will go out just like the light of the souls of every man will go out on the last day. And the only light that will shine will be the light of Allah. And then he will select those people that will come back to eternal life. Ah, That's why they say wipe away the heavens and the earth. When they say wipe away the heavens, they say, like it says in Genesis, and, and the host of them. When it says, and now the creation was finished, it's all the hosts of them. Uh -huh. Well, that angelic being, when their creation was complete, and then the creation of man. Okay? So when Allah says he's going to wipe away the heavens and the earth, all the angels and all men must bow. Everything must bow on the last day. Mm. I have another question, I Um... And also in the same book, I came across a couple of things that was confusing to me because I don't know. First, let me make it clear to you that that is not a copy of the real book of Barnabas. That is a poor translation, but a lot of it is they do have some facts in it. That which I can answer, I will. But we are taking it from the ancient Arabic and putting it in English slowly but surely. But there's so many books for one person to write. <laughs> you see, it takes a lot of time. I have a lot of people working with me, but I still have to proofread and research every individual thing. So I may put preference on a subject. I started doing the books of Barnabas. I'm like four volumes out. Then other things, questions stirred my attention somewhere else because I tried to write books according to what y'all need to know. Okay. So is it okay if I ask these other... By all means. But if it's something that is not, you know, not, not translated properly, I'll just say it's not translated properly. Okay. Um, also in this book it says, if you don't mind me reading a little bit of it, uh, Jesus, peace and blessings of Allah be upon, was telling his disciples that the faithful, it says right here, but the faithful shall have comfort because their torment shall have an end. And the disciples were Friday hearing this and said, so then the faithful must go into hell. Then he went on to explain whereas that they would be in hell for a little while and that the message of Allah, which is Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon, he's going to ask Allah this. He's going to say, then shall his messenger speak to Allah and say, Lord, my creator, remember the promise made to me thy servant concerning them that have received my faith, that they shall not abide forevermore in hell. And Allah shall answer, ask what thou wilt, O my friend, for I will give thee all that thou askest. Now, Muhammad will say, then shall the messenger of Allah say, O Lord, 
They are the faithful who have been in hell 72,000 years. Where, O oh Lord, is thy mercy? I pray thee, Lord, to free them from those bitter punishments. Is that true also? See, here's the understand. When you read Genesis again of the Torah, you find out that you have sun, moon, and stars as signs of seasons and times. Correct? That is in the earth plane. That has to deal with earth. When you step outside of the earth realm, then you're not governed by the same time laws. You understand? You say, if a person says, I live 76 trillion years, the joke is, you don't know whether they mean 76 trillion years of your time. That's the first thing you say is, 76 trillion years by my time, 76 trillion years in an extraterrestrial world could be 30 years in your time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because as you break the speed of light, time goes backwards. When you get outside of the Earth's atmosphere, the time system is totally different. The further you get away from your sun, where you go into other galaxies, like the galaxy I come from, where we have more than one sun, then our time system changes. Y'all have one hour per day, and we have three hours. Three simultaneously clocks going at the same time. Three sets of seasons going at the same time, depending on what galaxy you come from. Y'all always tend to base everything on yourself. Mm. Oh, all right, thank you. Um, I have another question, if I can ask, right? Like, I remember in one of your books you were saying when, uh, in the scrolls, when Allah commanded the angels to come down and from the clay make man. Now, I, I remember reading that the clay, well, the dirt, rather, the earth, like, asked the angels to desist from this purpose. Now, what I want to know is that being that we're made from that dirt, are we... It's like incense or some kind of way crying out like he did in the beginning. Very interesting point. You know why? Because I've been trying to tell people for years that nature is your worst enemy. Your body tries to get sick. You understand that? Your body tries, you will, your body will pull you down the stairs if you're not careful. It will, your intellect will force you to step on the gas. Your soul yearns to be released from the prison of the bacteria of the body or the clay. And the clay is living cells of nature. That's what they speak about when they say that it, that it spoke towards the law. Every cell in your body is alive. Hmm. Nature is alive. Grass is alive. Soil is alive. All these things live. And these things are bacteria that are plaguing your soul. What do you think you feed? You think you feed your spirit? You feed your body, and you will eat bad food knowing that it is bad for your stomach. You will drink sodas knowing that it is bad for your system. You will smoke ganja, smoke marijuana, take in drugs knowing that it can kill you. You will do these things because nature is man's worst enemy. Nature is not man's friend. Nature is constantly trying to return man to the earth. You understand? Mm. And that's where man makes a great mistake in thinking that nature's on his side. This is what makes you get up in a high place and that flash goes to your mind. I wonder how it would be to jump. But if I tried to push you off, I couldn't do it. Yeah, but the flash does come to your mind. You look around, you're driving your car. There's something that makes you say, ah, a little bit faster. You get there a little quicker. And mm, you start increasing in speed. You forget that you're driving a two-ton piece of steel and glass. And what would happen if you get into an accident? This is nature trying to end your life. 
So how do we how do we fight against this? The too? thing is, it is not a part of you. Oh. If you want to see the real part of you tomorrow morning, when you're washing your face in the mirror, stop and stare for a little while, and you'll begin to get this feeling that the real you is looking from the inside out at the body. Talk to yourself, and you'll make that distinct separation between you and the fake you. The real you is the soul, the fake you is the flesh. Stand in front of that mirror and look at your eyes, look at your nose, look at your mouth, look at your ears, look at your skin, look at the growth of your beard if you be a male. And stare, and stare, and eventually the question will come to you, which one is the real me? The one looking out or the one the one looking out is looking at? When you make that distinction between that soul and that body, then realize that if you did a scale, you do more for your body than you do for your soul. You're feeding your body, dressing your body, plucking your eyebrows, combing your hair, parting your mustache, you stand in the mirror, brushing your teeth, grinning and checking it, looking at little pieces of cabbage between your teeth. <laughs> Everything is the body. What do you do for the soul? Someone comes along and says, pray five times a day. Wow, that's a whole lot of prayer. <laughs> yeah, eat seven, eight times a day. I mean, I watched the person try to, you know, the new bags of potato chips are made so you can't open them. You have to put it in your mouth and rip it with your teeth. You no longer can do it with your hand. You know that, right? Years ago, you take a bag of potato chips, you rip it, and you open it up. Now they got this made out of this new kind of plastic that you can't even open. Correct? So you got to really fight to get to this bag with this. You gotta, it really stirs the animal in you. Mm. All of it for the pleasures of yourself. But how much do you give to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala? When a person says, can you pray five times a day for Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala? I work. I'm on my way. I go to school. <laughs> In school, you make time for lunch. At work, you make time for lunch. But when it comes down to the worship of Allah, all of a sudden, you don't have the time. People pray over their food, even. Oh, God, thank you for the food. And then take it and adulterate it with hot sauce and ketchup and peppers and all kind of stuff. First they thank him for it the way it is, and then they add all the poison to it. That's nature trying to destroy you. Believe me. Yeah. So I want to know, like, like, do people actually, uh, like, talk to the devil inside their chest? Do people actually do that? No, the we devil talks to them through inspiration in their chest. The devil is the one that makes you put that sound on your face because he convinces you that that will protect you from people. And we actually answer him back. Oh, you, well, you answer the devil in your actions by carrying out his desires. So, in the you know, let me tell you a story about men. Mm -hmm. I'll show you how the devil works. It's a good time to do it because summer's coming. There's three men standing on the corner and they're talking. They're holding a conversation. All right? They're supposed to be righteous men. They're standing here talking about the Quran or anything. And down the block, there's coming a girl. She has on tight pants. <laughs> These three men, watch their nature, how they change. Now, all of them see her coming from the right. One guy alters his position so he's facing her coming. And his conversation continues so he can look directly at her without pretending he's looking at her. You understand? That's one guy. The other guy fourth season alters the conversation about women so they all will look. The other guy waits for her to pass and says, just look at 
that filth. So he could turn around and look. Mm. You see, the devil, on the other hand, used all three of those men three different ways. They all answered the devil's call. One of them was direct. He just turned and looked at her and then made like he wasn't looking. The other guy got everybody to look. The other guy made it look like it was such a disgusting thing to look at that he had to point it out so that everybody would see it. That's how the devil works. The devil just puts up signs and we read them. You follow? Yes. That's his job. The devil is not going to make you do anything. He'll put up the sign and you'll read it and follow. So that's why he's a master of commercials and advertisements. That's his thing. So in like manner, do like the, the seraphim or the good angels, people as yourself, and others, can they speak to us too when we relate back to them? They do. And they're the ones that makes you see a white woman in distress and you step above your narrow-mindedness as a black ex-slave and say, I'm going to help her anyway, because it's right to help her. Mm. Not because she's white, not because she's black, but because it's right to help somebody in distress as a Muslim, not because they're Christian, not because they're Jew, but because as Muslims, we are Abdullah. We are servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and have an obligation to all of his creatures. That's when angels are speaking to you. But when you say I'm a black Muslim and I'm a white woman and I don't care if she suffers, then you're acting like the devil. You understand? Mm. And many people be who are righteous become the devil because they think they're so righteous until they start doing more to work for the devil than Allah. I'm so right and everybody's so wrong, I don't realize how wrong I really am. Many people deceive themselves into evil. So does that mean that we help uh, we help anybody that's in distress as Muslims. Oh. So do we help Satan because we probably like keep the good angels from speaking to us every day? Do we actually help him fight them all for something or how come they don't speak to us more? Because you don't open yourself to them more. Because you don't call on the citizens until you're laying in a hospital bed. Or until you're in a prison cell. Or until things are going wrong in your love affair, or someone in your family dies, etc., etc., then you turn and raise your hands to heaven and say, why me? You don't ever hunger when you have a full stomach. But man, when it comes to worshiping Allah and adoration, should always be hungry. So if I hungered more at this present moment, I could actually feel those kind of things. The more you open yourself up to them, the more they'll come to you. There's angelic beings, extraterrestrials, waiting to make contact to guide you. They just ask you, all they ask you to do is stay on Sabila love. Stay on the path of Allah. Stay on the path of righteousness. That we don't want to do. We want to shuffle and guide and step on and off the path at random. We want to pick them up when we need them and drop them when we don't. It doesn't work like that. It says, he who the Spirit descends upon and resides with him forever. You know him by that. You see that? Mm -hmm. When the Spirit descends, they want to stay with you. Not like Christianity, where people get the Holy Spirit while they're on church and they go home and curse everybody else. Mm -hmm. No, in Islam, when the Aruch descends upon a man, it is supposed to reside with him eternally. He's supposed to stay in righteousness. got to learn to live Islam. And, you, and we have an example in Rasulullah Muhammad, we have his sunnah to follow. The way he did things, the way he walked, the way he talked, the way he practiced. Because Allah
Marshall found out about it, though, he was the best of example for us. He told us to dress a certain way. He told us to eat a certain way. He told us to pray a certain amount of times in a certain way. If we want that guidance, we have to do that. The same thing like if you want to become a doctor, you got to pass certain things. you got to study and pass certain things in school, right? If you don't do it, you won't become a doctor. You can walk around and call yourself a doctor. And there's a lot of people walk around calling themselves Muslims. If you're not wearing a veil, you're not a Muslim. If you're not wearing the sunnah of Rasulullah, you don't have a beard, and you're not doing if you're not doing the things that Muhammad did, I don't care who you are, what country you say you're from, you're not Muslim. You have follow? You have to do what Al Islam calls for to be Muslim. If you don't, you're not Muslim. Look how bad you feel. Salam alaikum. Uh I was uh, reading a book and it was uh, referring to light. And it said that light is invisible, but how, what we actually see is in terms of solid liquids and gases. And uh, I was just uh, trying to, you know, I was wondering if you could explain uh, something of that nature because you were saying I wanted to taste that once you could see into the uh, etheric realm of existence that there's beings that's all around us, but we don't have a... Uh, we haven't, you know, they have to incarnate for us because we're not able to incarnate them. And uh, I was just wondering if this is why, because... Just a minute, because you're overweighing yourself for no apparent reason whatsoever. <laughs> just turn the Holy Quran to the second chapter. The 255th verse, which is called Ayat al Qursi. And in it, it tells you that you can't see light. Allah, la ilaha illa huwa al-hayu qiyum. Allah, nothing would exist, exist, if it wasn't for Him, the living power, the living strength. You understand? So the word exist means what? To be. That's right. Allah, la ilaha illa huwa al-hayu qiyum. So life can be seen because life exists. And he separated this form of life from himself. So they're not talking about the type of life of Allah. They're talking about the life that Allah brought into existence. And if he brought it into existence, it is perceivable. Okay? Assalamu alaikum. Uh, I would like to address this question to uh, Ali Namisa. Now I'd like to know why is it essential that one must move into the Nasara Allah community in order before the year 2000? Unfortunately, because the scripture says we have to, <laughs> because living together with people who have not been groomed to live together is a very difficult task. But in our scriptures, in the books of Revelation, chapter 11, it says, and they were giving me a reed, like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the Haikan, which is the word temple, of Allah, which is what they have, of course, God. And the altar, and what's the next one? And then their worship therein. What's the last two words? There, therein. You see that? Not outside. People say, well, the temple is in my heart. 
Yeah, but your heart is inside you, so that can't be saying that. As long as I'm a Muslim in my heart, that's what counts. It doesn't say that. It says, have yourself counted with those who are inside the temple. And what does it say about the court? The word court here in the language is dar. Dar means abode or place of dwelling, or this is a dar you're in. And what does it say next? But the court, which is without the temple. Those people who are outside of the temple, what about them? Leave out. And? Measure it not. Why? For it is given unto the Gentiles. And what does Jesus call the Gentiles? Snakes. Viper. He told his disciples, don't teach the Gentiles. Don't number them with the righteous. That's why. Not because we like living together, that's for sure. Because we have our hard times. But because the scripture tells us we have to. Well, one of my question is, why is Barak associated with the devil? Because the white man, as you know, spent a lot of time doing stuff like this. What's a devil dog? A brown piece of cake. What's devil food cake? Chocolate cake. What's angel cake? White cake. Why, what, what color suits do the bad guys wear? Black. What color suits do the good guys wear? White. What color suits the doctors wear? White. What color suits should they wear when they get dirty? Black. I mean, they spent a whole lot of time making black look bad, and that's all part of brainwashing of this Western world. And the first and most important thing is, watch this. Ready? Let's take a Chinaman, correct? The Chinese worship Buddha, right? What nationality is Buddha? The statue of the Buddha is what? Chinese, right? So the Chinese are worshiping a Chinaman. How about the Indians? Krishna. What's Krishna what? An Indian, right? The Indians are worshiping Indians. The Red Indians are worshiping Red Indians. Eskimos are worshiping Eskimos. We're the only ones that worship a white person. Everybody else in the world worships somebody their own color. You understand that? That was a form of brainwashing. And if now, if Jesus is God and God is white, what are you? in their doctrine as a people. See, if Jesus was white and he's God, then, and we're black, what must we be? We must be the devil. This is subliminal brainwashing to suppress us as a people so we can't see our way to heaven. We can't even construct a mental tower of Babel to get back to the Father because we're God. We're the lowest of the low. We're nothing. We lived in Africa and we walked around naked and we ate people and one white guy named Tarzan came over to beat all the animals and beat all the Africans in one fight. This is subliminal brainwashing. It must be uprooted. The white man perpetrated that phoniness about black <laughs> being ugly and evil. Uh, the question about, I guess about maybe about two and a half months ago, uh, someone asked a question about shaving. Uh, I know I, I shave because of this job I'm on, and I probably wouldn't have a job if I didn't shave. Uh, then it's wise to shave if you need your job to survive. Allah does not have compulsory in being. If, you, if that's going to deprive you from supporting your family, you follow? Yes. Then shave. Allah knows that. Okay, uh, but the question is, uh, why uh, isn't a Muslim supposed to shave? And if, uh, from, from the outside, that last man, uh, it's a, a razor is not to be placed upon your head or your face. Then, uh, oh, oh. I wasn't from us. I don't know who gave you that answer. That ain't one of mine. I mean, because you shave. I use a razor when I shave and trim my bed. I don't know where they got that from. Okay. Right. <laughs> that answers that question. Yeah, I don't know how to do that. I trim my bed. I keep my bed because the scripture says, do not mow the corners of your head. It tells you to keep a trim from a bed. Right. But it was in my cheek. Out of my teeth, I do shave after here. There, 
I used to be a student of Dr. Ben. I'm sure you're familiar with him. Yes, and uh, he'll be working in Cairo, and it's going to surprise a lot of people to find out that he's becoming a Muslim. They're going to be quite surprised that he's converting to Islam. He's going to be working at the university in Cairo. Right? Uh, you're talking about Dr. Ben Jokanan. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Dr. Ben Johannes. Yes. The yeah. Person. He's getting ready to become a Muslim. <laughs> That's a great thing. Okay. Uh, well, uh, in, in, in times gone by, uh, in one of his lectures, he did say that Islam and Christianity was brought onto us by the sword and the gun. And I would like to uh, have a better understanding of that. Sure. If you ever read the fundamental histories of Al-Islam, you'll find out that before Muhammad left in the year 622 to go over to Medina to set up the community, he was the one being beat up. They didn't spread Islam by a sword. They were being beat by the Meccans and all the tribes who was in Arabia just because they were trying to teach the word of Allah. They wasn't fighting until after they got to the city of Medina and became a strong community, and then they wanted to come back to their own homes in Mecca, and that's when they started engaging in fights and battles with their own tribal members who were trying to suppress the propagation. Muslims didn't set out to war. See, here's a perfect example. The Crusades. Where was it fought? Was it fought in Europe or was it fought in Jerusalem? It was fought in Jerusalem, right? Yeah. So the Muslims were home, and these people came all the way from Europe over there to fight with them. Yet they say the Muslims spread their religion by the sword, yet the Christians left Europe with swords and came to Jerusalem to fight Salah al-Din. Because Muhammad was in Mecca, trying to teach the religion of Abraham, the people started beating on them, they stoned them, they put a brick on top of Bilal, you know, they persecuted them, they were pushed out of their houses, left their families, and moved to another city where they were welcome, lived there, then built a strong party of people, and came back and took over Mecca. And then they said, they spread it by their sword. They never thought about how they were getting beat up in the beginning, like me and you, right? I, I, you beat me up every day when I'm little. I leave and go and train myself and come back big, and I hit you back. Oh, he's violent. They forget that you were beating me up all the time. You caused me to go form an army, you see? And that's how they interpret Islam as being spread by the sword. Nobody is more violent than American Christians. But people don't understand when America goes to a country like Vietnam, they're going in the name of Jesus Christ, because they're trying to spread Jimmy Swagger over at the same time they're trying to take the country. Christianity is the most violent religion in the world. Anybody on the news that you see, even Brawley and all of them people, are all Christians. Reverend Sharpton, all Christians. The guys trying to persecute them are all Christians. Christianity is a religion that spreads itself by the sword. Uh, something, uh, if you look around in here, uh, um, like in some Christian churches, if uh, you listen to a preacher on the radio, it says, uh, Bring all the sick, bring all the, uh, the, uh, the old people, the people in wheelchairs and um, uh, walking with canes and on crutches and all that. And uh, I know we have brothers and sisters out there who are in crutches, uh, wheelchairs and all that. And I don't see any of the brothers uh, that are out there uh, spreading the word uh, of Islam, approaching these people. Uh, I don't see any facilities in here for these people. What if these, should, these people should have a desire to join into the temple and become Islamic? Uh, what are provisions for them? We have people who come in here. We had several families who brought children in here who were considered crippled and couldn't walk. And after being here for a couple of months, we're walking in place. We don't put up that we're no healers because that's not, what, that's not what the mission is. The mission is to teach the word of the Most High, not to heal people. 
However, if people need healing, they can be healed. But that's not, I don't stand up as a faith healer, putting on hands, jumping around and all that kind of stuff. That's a big old act to get people's money. And I'm saying, I'm not into that. I'm into teaching people the truth about Allah, the oneness of Allah. That's it. And if they got faith, their faith will make them whole. Any man is going to do this. He just said, watch out for people coming like that. They're going to they do so many signs and wonders that if it was possible, they'd even fool the elite. You got to be careful of them because it just doesn't work like that. Okay? Uh, and there is facilities there for people who need it. My question is about the pictures that I see around and the pictures I see in your books. Right? What is the significance of including the pictures with the word? That's a very good question. The pictures you see on the wall is real important because if we don't do this, he's going to write them off as white, the way he does all other black men's pictures. He distorts the pictures and gradually alters the way they look, makes you know they're real, everybody's real life skin, the same way they did the Cleopatra movie and the Moses movie, and people now think Charleston Heston is Moses, and they think that Elizabeth Taylor is really what Cleopatra looked like. And so what I did is, and you happen to be a child that was smart enough to pull the pictures out. 99% of them are so afraid to touch the Bible, even in that state, that they'd never do that. And they start looking at those pictures as they read the Bible and really think that Jesus lived in the village and had a beard and looked like a hippie. They start getting that white Anglo-Saxon hippie image in their mind of what God looks like. And being they tell them that Jesus is God, you know what that means? They think they are. When they look at the and see a black face, they think that they see themselves as the opposite of white. Yeah. If they teach you that white is opposite of black, then God is white, then what must black be? The devil. So what I've done is said, like me or not, I'm going to start putting images of black people in the books, regardless of what anybody says, so that the children that read it start to see Moses and Jesus and Abraham and Yusuf and all the people of the scriptures in their real shade and color. The men on the wall are put there so people can remember these great men of our history. Because a white man would love for us to just knock Marcus Garvey and Noble Drew Ali and Honorable Elijah Murray. He'd like to lock them out of our history, but he makes sure me and you remember his history. Because if you reached in your pocket and took out a dollar bill, you'd be looking at a part of his history. And he made sure we had our face on George and, and Abraham and Jefferson all day. He makes sure of it. So I'm not to be fool enough myself to say it's not important to me, I'm saying. When I think a physical impression in the mind is important. What a person thinks things are oftentimes has a, a way of affecting the way they react to things. Mm -hmm. I mean, people because see a white guy with a beard, they start little black kids saying, oh, Jesus, mommy. Oh, shit. My bad. Oh, fuck. and Jesus and Abraham and Yusuf and all the people of the scriptures in their real shade and color. The men on the wall are put there so people can remember these great men of our history. Because a white man would love for us to just knock Marcus Garvey and Noble Drew Ali and Honorable Elijah Murray. He'd like to lock them out of our history, but he makes sure me and you remember his history. Because if you reach in your pocket and took out a dollar bill, you'd be looking at a part of his history. He made sure we had our face on George and and Abraham and Jefferson all day. He makes sure of it. So I'm not to be fool enough myself to say it's not important to me, I'm saying. When I think a physical impression in the mind is important. What a person thinks things are oftentimes has a, a way of affecting the way they react to things. Mm -hmm. I mean, people because see a white guy with a beard and they start little black kids saying, oh, Jesus, mommy, walking to the village. And the mother has to say, no, 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 that's a hippie. And that shouldn't be like that. 
you know, yeah. it's interesting. It doesn't mean anything, but I agree with you in the sense that there was a certain um, hypnotic um, brainwashing that we've all been under as a result of, of his nonsense, all right? Oh, yeah. It's got to be sort of cleared, removed, yeah. all right? So by whatever means it has to be removed, I'm, I'm all for that, all right? Okay. Um, the other thing is this. I, I have absolutely no complaints about Ansar Allah, all right? From the first time I walked on this block, all I thought was love from all your people. When I come into the place, I only feel at home, all right? There's no other place that I've been between New York, Jersey, Connecticut, upstate New York, North Carolina, Florida, Texas, that I felt that way in, all right? Thank you. That's a compliment. Now, the other thing is that I, I want to come in, all right? I don't work for... And I have my own, my, I do my own thing, it's more or less freelance, right? There's a number of things that I do to take care of my responsibilities, right? But I don't refer to it that way. I feel that he does certain things through me so that the things that I need are always there. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, I have two questions. The first is concerning how we'll be judged on Judgment Day. Uh, my question is, what difference would there be between, say, a grandmother that died 40 years ago versus someone who is on the street, has seen some brothers with the books but never stopped, and also between a person who might come here to class or even live in the community? How, what difference would there be in their judgment? A grandmother who was here 40 years ago before the truth hit the shores, right, will be judged by her own, what do you call it, her intentions in life, not by her scriptural law. 99% go to paradise automatically because they're going to be judged by how they believe as Christians, not how they, how they believe now that the truth has come. You follow that? Yes. In that which they did, you can tell. A person is a good, good Christian. Because they didn't know Islam, then you know that if they had been Muslim, they would have been good, good Muslims. So they're judged by their heart. That's right. Now, a person who walks the street, sees righteousness, knows it's right, and doesn't accept it, is called in the Quran a kafiruna, one who conceals what they know to be true. The translators maliciously translate that as disbeliever. There's no such thing as a disbeliever in the Quran. It's kafirun from the word kafir, to cover or conceal something. This person in the scripture is classified as like the devil. And the scriptures in Revelation says, will be cast into a lake of fire along with the devil. There to abide forever. So those people who see the truth and stall or maliciously turn away, they will be classified as devils and their abode will be what you are calling hell. Hell is just an script, a way of describing torment. And the torment one will receive is what they think they should get because you are your judge. And as gross as you think hell is for what you've done, that's exactly what it will be. Hell is like your nightmare, your worst nightmare. You create the nightmare, you talk to yourself while in the nightmare. So when you know right from wrong and do wrong, whatever you think hell will be, it'll be that and some more besides. I'm sorry, I was just wondering, if someone just sees, say, a brother on the street, and they see him dressed in the white, but they don't know what it's all about, they're totally ignorant to anything that has anything to do with Islam, 
and they pass by, would they be considered a captive because they no, don't take the time? they could be. They'd be judged by what they've done. Only once you know the truth, once you've opened the books and read it. That's why, that's why the first thing said to Rasulullah Muhammad was, Iqra, read. Read. First thing Jesus told in the books of Revelation is he sent this book and signified by his angel. And those who read this book, he says in the books of Revelation, you see that? And understand this book. So the thing is you must read to understand. So those people who do not understand will not be judged as sinners. They'll be judged by their morals, by their own intentions in life. Okay, so if I'm on the street or if there's someone that I know personally that I'd like to try to uh, let them know a few things, maybe suggest to them to read, and they just don't want to get into it, what would happen at that point? I mean, is it just over at that point? They're just judged for whatever they know. You are, see what happened is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of all the people in the world, made it possible for you to be in the presence of that person. Do you understand? Yes. So that person is being warned. And they're going to be judged then. You are the warner. See, that's why it says in the Quran, Muhammad is a, a witness over you, and you are a witness over each other. Each one of us, once we know the truth, become a witness. A testifier like Jesus Johnson, I testify of Jesus Christ. That's what he was talking about. So anybody you try to talk to, Allah sent you to them. And if they turn their back on you, they are classified Catholic if they don't listen. But remember, you have to be in full sunnah. Mean full example of what righteousness is also. You can't walk up to them in a pantsuit and expect to convert them to a dress. <laughs> You can't walk up there with a cigarette in your mouth. You know, like parents tell children, they tell children, don't go in the bathroom and smoke. Smoking is bad for you. Uh, honey, go over there and get my cigarettes off the table. <laughs> you can't do that. You see what I'm saying? So your example has to be right. And when you approach them with the right example, when you're right, then they turn away. Then they'll be just. But if you approach them and you're not right fully, and they turn away, you're the sinner. Because you brought to them a non-perfected way. I see. Shukran. Pleasure. Peace. Uh, I got a household situation here. I'm living with a Christian woman, but I believe in the Holy Quran. And our kids, we have four kids, and she teaching them the Christianity uh, lessons too. Uh, being that that I'm a Holy Quran believer and she a Christian believer, what will happen in the future with our relation? The reality of that is, when you say I'm a holy Quran believer, that doesn't say that you're a Muslim. It just says I'm a holy Quran believer. And what Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught us to do is to convert people mainly by our example. You follow that? Yes. The example that you have in that house as a good person, the tenets that you would introduce in that house, the laws on cleanliness, or not not drinking or smoking cigarettes, or your good nature will be more influential. There is no difference between a Christian and a Muslim, really. There is no difference. The Christian is merely saying that God came down to earth as a man, and they call him Jesus. All right? Muslims are saying, no, he did not. He's always been in heaven. Now, when you eliminate those two arguments, okay, you come back to what do Christians believe? They believe that real Christians now, if you're good and good for people, you'll go to a place called heaven. Correct? Right. That good Christians, you shouldn't get drunk, you shouldn't kill, you shouldn't steal. So any of the Christian morals 
that he is putting into the child is not going to hurt the child. Your father, and the belief of Jesus being Allah in flesh, as the child gets old enough, or the children old enough to understand what they're reading in English, they'll see right through it in the Bible themselves. It don't take much. That's why that room is full of people. Because you people in that room begin to see that someone told you all a lie. <laughs> you see? And you start to look at the Bible in a different way and look at the meaning. Don't be all messed up about it and wrecking yourself emotional about it. Be gentle about it. And you study the Bible. Study the Quran. Study all the scriptures. Respect her for what she believes. You follow what I'm saying? And in time, truth will prevail and false things perish. Right. That's what will happen. Hey! I hope y'all enjoyed that, man. I got some more. Y'all want to hear some more? Say yes. Say no. Y'all want to hear some more? Okay. Yeah, I know I'm, I'm actually, you know, striving to, like, Hold up, let me make sure the sound is right first Because you know I'm doing it from a whole other type of receiver so You are now listening to the true light I think this is loud enough Okay Let me know if it's too loud on the line Alright, hold on this shit good, shawty. This is the be- this is the good one now. This even though the other shit it was, but this is this is dealing with psychic self defense and a lot of stuff like that. And if you y'all gonna have an issue hearing this first question, and if I'm not mistaken, this woman's first question is, um, they are saying that um, you worship Satan or you on that Satan shit. And um, hold on, hold on. Let me let me play it first, real quick, so I can know. And then I'll I'll, I'll tell y'all the question first that she asked him. Give me one second. She said, "I was told that you're serving Satan." She said, "I was told that you're serving Satan." And how can you? hate the white people, and love black, all right? So that's our question, but I'm going to rewind it back. So here we go. You are now listening to the true light of Sa'id al-Imam al-Hadi al-Nasi in a live question and answer session. I was told that um, you are serving Satan, so how could you hate the white people and uh, love black when God say that you came to save the world? in the Bible that God came to save the world. I don't see it. It's not in the Bible. It says right in there that Jesus came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel only. Tell you right to John. Tell you Hebrews. Over and over again it says it. Came to the lost sheep in Matthew 15, verse 10, when he asked for these things, confronted with a canonized woman who he refused to heal. Mind you, Jesus refuses to heal this canonized woman. This is what you're saying, God. Yet he won't, he won't heal somebody. Why didn't Jesus heal this woman in Matthew 15? Read Matthew 15, everyone. Jesus said. 
keep going or can y'all see the rest of them? They make these things up. Lutheran, Pentecostal, uh, Baptist, Jehovah Witness. They took incidents out of the law and made whole congregations upon them. You know how come they did that? Because in St. John, Jesus told them they couldn't establish the church yet. He said he will build his church. He looked at Peter, Tyson, and said, I'll build my church upon this rock. Using him as an example as a person. He will do it. Not Peter, not Paul. But they went out after him after he openly told these people, what did he say? I have yet many things to say unto you, however, you cannot bear them yet. Correct? This is St. John chapter 7. Does he not say that? For if I am your teacher, and I have not finished teaching you, how the heck are you going to go set up a school to teach? He told he didn't finish teaching them yet. That means the Christians are setting up a school of thought, and the doctrine and the curriculum is not yet complete. <laughs> how is that possible? There's many things I have to say unto you, however you cannot bear them yet. But when peace, the spirit of truth, comes, the comforter, by the way, he shall not speak of himself, only that which he hears shall he speak. And he shall glow up all the say, That's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost was with Jesus when he was baptized in the joy by John the Baptist. The Holy Ghost visited Mary to tell her she was going to be pregnant. The Holy Ghost visited Zachariah to tell her he couldn't speak. The Holy Ghost visited Elizabeth. The Holy Ghost visited Sarah and Abraham. The Holy Ghost visited Jacob in the wilderness. The Holy Ghost has been there since the foundation of the world. What is this stuff? The Holy Ghost is coming all of a sudden like it's something new. Jesus didn't say that. He said, I will send you what? I will send you another comforter. What does the word another mean even in English? Somebody tell us the meaning of another is. Do you know? There'll be one and there'll be another one. Yes, there it is. You have one thing and there'll be another like. Now, he said you'll send another comforter. So either the angel Gabriel is going to come to another woman and she is going to conceive another child born the Holy Spirit like him. You see? Which will make another comforter. Or he meant something else. Somebody else that will be guided by the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Quran confirms. That the angel Gabriel, the Holy Spirit, came to Muhammad while he was in the cave and told him to read. That was that other comforter. The angel Gabriel came to another man, and that man was sent forth into the world with the word of the Most High. That man was called Muhammad. And that word that he had was called Kalima. La ilaha illallah. That was the word Muhammad put forth that Jesus spoke about. That there is no creator except one, and besides him there is none.
a question and answer session with a Sayyid al-Imamisa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. Do you want to know the truth? Can you face the truth? Be sure to read the most dynamic books in history, authored by a Sayyid al-Imamisa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. Conversion. 
for you that I go away. It's better for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come on. That's tough. Jesus made a conditional statement here, and the condition was that if he does not go away, the Comforter could not come. Because there are two prophets of the same people to do that at the same time because the Quran says that if people are sent a warning. So both of them couldn't be there at the same time for the same people that be a conflict of interest. So Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, did not come while Isa, alayhi salatu wa sallam, was there. So now moving down to verse 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Stop. Jesus told these people, I have a lot of things to teach you, but what? You cannot bear them now. You cannot bear them. Then go on. However, Albeit, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide me into all truth. That is the Quran says. See that? Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Arrahmanir Rahim. Maliki Yawmiddin. Iyaka Na'budu wa Iyaka Nasta'in. Ahdina Sirat al-Mustaqeen. Ahdina Sirat al-Mustaqeen. Ahdina Ahdi. Hadi. Al-Hadi. Ka'adu. And we like this, Muhammad, by way of Yosef Sainer, 
السلام السلام عليكم وعليكم السلام many people would like to know how to say that and they say it wrong every week in the class so starting if we take one of these small things and let the brothers write on the blackboard in transliteration and Arabic and, and see what it means as it will start us at least in our Arabic that is A.M. when we use sunlight we say us the salama tranquility bliss or peace assalamu be alaykum upon you all in the Islam when one Muslim speaks to another they speak to them in plural out of respect they don't speak to them in singular like when Jesus El Messi went into the upper room and he said salam leka he's speaking to an individual in El Islam Rasulullah Muhammad alayhi salatu salama taught us to speak in plural to address you and your two spiritual guides, angelic beings, as they would refer to them, and say, As-salamu alaykum. Say it. Tranquility or peace be upon you. Let it descend upon you. Or with men, let the Holy Spirit fill you. As-salamu alaykum. Aiden. Aiden. One more time. As-salamu alaykum. And the answer is Wa alaykum salam. Wa in Arabic means and. And. Wa alaykum. And upon you, assalamu. Be peace. So your answer to the person is, and may the Holy Spirit descend upon you in peace. So Muslims say to each other, assalamu alaykum. The answer is Wa alaykum salam. Assalamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam. Assalamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam. You see that? A. A is a hard letter and as is a soft. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum as-salam. Everybody, turn to somebody and greet them and answer. Come and don't be ashamed. <laughs> How many people messed up? <laughs> How many people messed up? Let's try it again. Come on, don't be ashamed. Y'all can do it. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. So when the brother comes in, he says to y'all, Assalamu alaikum. What are all y'all supposed to say? That's one thing we got right forever, I hope.
according to the unshakable guidance and teachings of Asaid al-Imam Isa al-Hadi al-Nasi, the undisputed man of our time. No one has allowed themselves to be questioned with such a variety of questions, only to fulfill the eager minds of many in search of truth. Al-Imam Isa is the author of the most dynamic books in history, dealing with the truth, not theory, philosophies, or fairy tales. Just simple truth to all your questions, no matter what topic. How did Jonah survive three days and three nights in the belly of the whale? Does the Creator really sit on the throne? What and where is hell? Are angels extraterrestrial beings? Finally, the time has come for the whole truth to be heard. The Nubian Islamic Hebrew Mission would like to invite you to write or send questions to True Light, 719 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11221. The public is invited to newcomers class held every Sunday, 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. at the Nubian Islamic Hebrew Mission, 548 Hart Street, Brooklyn, New York. People interested in purchasing these pamphlets of peace can visit our bookstore, Original Tent of Kedar, 719 Bushwick Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, or purchase them from any of our brothers and I'm sorry to tell y'all, man. I'm sorry. I played the wrong one, man, about the psychic self-defense. I apologize, but I hope y'all enjoyed the man of the hour. Please exit to the left. Hope you enjoyed your flight. Thank you for flying WGAT Radio. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.